0: we
1: To hear that all aboard
2: And hello everybody, it is Saturday night Saturday night, August the 6th year 2011 Hope you're all doing well And we're here, and we're gonna have a good, good time uh, First, we'll dear Lord Thank you for all the blessings that we have at the country Help our friends and allies around the world Help the wars that goes on throughout the world. Let it be your will that to be done. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, let's put a little music on while I get Patricia. <music>
3: See ya. How'd you do? Hi. I'm so happy I could shout. Hey, I'm more than gratified to see this fine
0: turnout. Yeah. Do, 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 do,
3: do, 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 do. Hey, now, before I start on my address, I'll call the roll. Just answer yes. Sister Peggy? Yes. Deacon? Brother True. I'm a head deacon. Uh, what's the matter with uh, Brother Brown? Sorry, Deacon, but I'm feeling down. Brother Chuck? Well, I'm here, Deacon. Brother Johnny? Speaking, Deacon. Is everybody present? Yes, indeed. We're all here, Deacon. Then let's proceed. Some do right and some do wrong. To one of these categories you belong. But just in case there's any doubt, let me straighten you out. Then that does, and then that don't, and then that says they will but won't. So if Satan tempts you, hold on tight, cause you can't do wrong doing right. There's them that's good, and then that's mean, and then that's somewhere in between. But it looks to me from what I've seen that you can't do wrong doing right. Look at that gal Delilah, she had them all in a spin, she clipped the mighty Samson but she got caught when the house fell in. <laughs> so you see there's got to be just one road for you and me. Let old Satan know he's lost the fight cause you can't do wrong doing right. Now I opened my book and I turned the and I see where we're living in a mighty age With television and rocket planes And air condition on streamlined trains That's right, Deacon, Hall. This can all lead to man man-campo. That's right, children, so don't lose sight Of the basic things of wrong and right them that shell, and them that sha and them that wish they could but can't, but it's them that does that sees the light. Cause you can't, can't do wrong doing right, right. It's them that's meek, and them that's bold. Now don't ask me, but I've been told it's the meek that plays them blocks of gold. Cause you can't do wrong doing right, right. Look at old Big Goliath, ragging about his side. Taking on little David Yes, but he got his right between the eyes. So you see, he's got to be just one road for you and me. let old Satan no. He's lost the fight, cause you can't do wrong doing right. You say you can't do wrong doing right. That's got it. Oh, you can't do wrong doing right. Reiterate it. No, you can't do
0: wrong doing right. Let him hear it! You Can't do wrong doing right.
2: And there she is! Hello,
4: Patricia! Hello, Walden! How are you? We're good? Happy Saturday again already. We've made it through another seven days! No. Are you missing Christmas? Uh-huh. Well, we have some post-Christmas in July stuff. Well, we could always just change the calendar and just say this is July, really. Nobody will notice. I think people would notice. No! I'll do it No! Yeah, well, we're in trouble.
2: He took a nap today, folks. Yeah, yeah, let's we'll see here. Let's we'll see. Now, let's we'll see. It's, it's just the 6th, so it's there's 25 more shopping days this month. And <laughs> 30 in September, that's 55. And October has 31, so 86. And November has 30. It has 80. It has, oh my God, 116. And Christmas Eve, this hall's on a Saturday. Let's see, twenty. Well, only 140 more days away. That's scary. All right, have you got your shopping done, everybody? Give us a call.
4: Seven one five four five two zero seven one. It's going to be a long seven hours. Isn't it? <laughs> well, we have a theme tonight.
2: Uh, hey, hey, what, what, what is the theme?
4: You want to tell me about your week first, or do you want to hear the theme? Well, you know, I think we, we, you know, the last few weeks,
2: we were going to get the theme out, and people jumped in before we ever got the theme out, so let's sneak it in first.
4: So I will sneak in the theme. Last week was the end of Christmas and July season, which, of course, Walden um, is not happy about. His little head is hanging. You- I am we're not gonna to go to New Year's this year. You're really gonna to have to wait for the real thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh oh. You better get the clean then.
4: I, I have to I have to try I can't talk that fast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so shall we make a decade decision? Shall we go hoo hoo.
4: Hoo hoo, hoo hoo hoo. Hoo you know there was the
2: a song called hoo hoo.
5: Hoo hoo, hello there. Hello, it's Kurt. Kurt, how are you? How are you? I was kinda lit well, I was just um I'm trying to get this whole Dropbox business solved. Uh oh. And so anyway, once I do that, Walden, I will set up a link, uh, try to share a folder with you and Great. Uh, so if it's easier for you to get stuff on Dropbox.
2: Well, I would be able to get send since space, I just need a little time to figure it all out. Well, so if one I,
5: can, I mean Dropbox seems to be i mean that's what you like anyway
2: right well it's what i've been taught first so i that's I, fine you I, know i i i will be happy to do some i am flexible if i have wald and i am flexible so I, well, I need to be i can taught. get
5: it if i can get dropbox to work though um then i'll be sending you those two okay those two files on dropbox
4: if not as long, well, as, long as you two people
5: are being so flexible yes would you tell everybody what dropbox is please it's, it, a, it's a file sharing utility. Right,
2: it's a cloud service, and some of us find really, others, others are a little nervous about it because, you know, uh, it is it, hooking up to computers, and you just never know. And so last week we tried uh, SynSpace, and we've been, I, I got, still have to learn, there's got to be a way to make that work. And I just need my uh, tutor, the one who already met the lawyer Gasman to have time to do that. And if not, uh, Dropbox, and there's probably other ones out there. But mm. there's, there's That's
4: just... dropbox.com and sendspace.com. Mm-hmm. Kurt, you sent me something with sendspace.com, right. and it is so easy to use. I sent it out to Walden, and because he learned Dropbox first, this is
5: causing all sorts of- Yeah, well, sendspace apparently just recently has changed something because a lot of people are having the same problem he is. Uh, trying trying to find the file and then hit the thing that says download it. And and as a blind person, um, because I stopped paying for it, but because because so many people use it for so many different things, it's worthwhile to pay like $55 a year to be able to download so much from it. Yeah. In most cases, I would say don't pay for it, but because so many of the blind community use SendSpace, then it... It, it's so easy to to use their wizard to drop a whole bunch of links in and say, you know, over download these 37 books for me or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, but the thing about Dropbox is, is they have much bigger file sizes. That's the nice thing about Dropbox.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And so, because Dropbox, I think, it, goes up to can go up to like two gigs, I think. Eight,
2: well, and then if you uh, have more people, volunt- you can go up to eight.
5: Yeah, but I mean in terms of file
2: size. Well, no, it can go up to 8 gigs uh, Uh as you add people onto it. But yeah, they first offer you two, you bet. It's
4: 250 megabytes for each person. It's it's almost like a pyramid, like an Amway. Mm -hmm. And for each person who joins in your name or under your account gets an additional 250 megabytes. Yeah. Yeah. And they add
5: up pretty fast. Yeah, you, you got a Googling fingers there,
4: I'll tell you. Yeah. Just, well, also another
2: free thing I want to give out that's really terrific is also Skype.
5: You know, yeah, if, um...
2: Because a lot of us are using it, and it's, and it's free phone call around the world just by hooking up your two computers.
5: Yeah, the only problem is that this computer I have, my computer at work had, um... A microphone, a thing that when I hooked up the microphone mm-hmm. and the earphones, yep. uh, I could talk directly on the computer. On this other computer that was built for me, I don't know that it has, I mean, it's got to have them somewhere.
2: Well, it basically, it, yeah, uh, mine in the back. I have a five-year-old computer, and... You know, most people go here and buy. Mine is
5: it. probably in the back too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would say it's in the back. It would be, you know, there's three, there's three holes in the, at least mine. Right. Mine's an XP. Three holes in the bottom, and it's either the far left or the far right. You just uh, got, you yeah. gotta mess with it. That's all. Yeah.
5: Well, I may look into that yeah. too because, um, um, you know, I do have. I. It would be nice to. to you
2: know for example for example our friend Lori Gassman today he and John interviewed Beverly Washburn through Skype they got got uh, Beverly up and running through Skype and they were able to have a conversation that sounds like you're in in-house right and it's, an, it's another free th- it's another freebie for crying out
5: well I'll tell you I think I think Oprah did her last year's worth I mean so many of the people that were on her uh, on there, we're on, you know, mm-hmm. TV, Skype, or whatever, you know, yep. I mean, that's the way to go, I mean, as far as, you got good sound, and you can't even, you know, you don't know where they are, Unless yeah the camera is well,
0: you, know, know
2: you. I had a, I had a relative, uh, married to a relative, um, who worked for the telephone companies, and he said years ago, honestly, while the whole infrastructure of the telephone company, the phone lines, they could easily give long distance away for free. And because of the computer technology and the cell phones, they're basically driving the telephone company to offer free long-distance passage things to keep people. You know, it's just because of all the new technology, it's giving everybody a run for their money.
5: Right. By the way, I saw on OT, look up on uh, InternetArchive.org, I Mm -hmm. saw a series, which I never heard of before, called Up for Parole.
2: I've seen the title. I haven't listened to one.
5: Yeah, okay. I just, I saw that under, mm-hmm. if you just put in OTR, there's all kinds, I mean, there's there's hundreds of of, uh, of things out there. Up for Parole is one of the qualifying
4: shows for my really awful shows file. Okay. It is so bad, it's baffling that it ever got to radio. Huh. Have you listened to it? No, not yet. Oh, you have to. Oh, you have to. I'm so glad that you found some. Uh, And I haven't mentioned my really awful shows recently, so I have a really awful show to play tonight, and for anyone who wants some really awful shows, I have a really awful file of really
5: awful shows um, that are so bad they're fun to listen to. Whatever. What other candidates do we have for this role of uh, role of shame here? <laughs> we have Zaro.
4: <laughs> Zorro is one of the shows that I'm going to play tonight.
2: They hit the Patricia Hall of Fame. Okay. Goodness,
4: it is. You know what? You and Walden keep talking for just a second. All right. Let me.
2: She's gonna pull up the list of the Hall of Fame that made it to Patricia's top fifty.
5: Okay. You know what? Actually, one of the shows that I used to think really, for sure, belonged in that yeah. was Magic Island.
2: I know. And Don I asked him much love because you read twice on the whole network.
4: No some- kidding. I just downloaded it um, <laughs> for Nolan. I have it in an envelope for Nolan. So.
5: And, and well, it's not, okay. Well, I hope it's now 130 chapters the one you got because
4: <laughs> it isn't.
5: It isn't. No, it's an incomplete series by all means, but. Um... Well, I believe there's an OTRR version of it. I, I think I forget if there were problems with that version or not, because I remember, I I remember having that show on tape. You guys, was it last year, last week, or a week before? You guys were talking about reels of tape scattered throughout the house. Yep. And because it was 128 shows, I think. I don't remember how many reels it was on, but it was one of the, I think it was one of the worst ever shows on radio. Well,
0: it was
2: syndicated in 1935, so it goes way, way back there.
5: And I, but I have to tell you, by the way, that I am enjoying Jerry of the Circus. I
2: I, I do sure like that myself, too.
5: It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's what you would expect. That's a great kid show. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it was a good, you know, it was a good show with, you know, with all the stuff that they went through and... and
2: you know, think thing gets me about some of the early 30s show, the, syn- the syndication show, I'm talking about Jerry the Circus and Speed Gibson, all- the film music is forever.
5: Oh, I know, yes. And, and being able to jump over that film music into the drama without wasting too much time. Mm-hmm. I can do it on the stream by setting the... The uh, thing for a minute and jumping over a couple of times, and then sometimes you have to jump back a minute, but it's easier than listening to all that music for so long.
2: And for the audience who may or may not know why they did that, um, you would have radio recorders, different companies who would go in the syndication business in the 30s, and they would hire the actors, they would press a series of records and send it out to the local stations and then the local station would sell it, sell their own time. So it was the local announcer reading the local commercial and they would have the music underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they did it that way.
4: Um, you want a handful of samples? Oh, yes. Okay, well, along the way we have a couple of Jack Webb
5: shows and... Uh, I like, you mean the, the, the Jack Webb show? The, uh uh-huh. The humorous one? The Jack Webb show, right. I liked, well, there were things I liked a lot about that show.
4: You know what it, it, there are a couple of things that were really funny but the show itself yeah took it as a snapshot of old-time radio it was pretty bad <laughs> but yeah yeah another one that is so bad it was it's fun to listen to so i do have the two i think there are only two shows that are surviving and i do have both of them um we've got these are singles now here um the origin of superstition was really dreadful. I don't even know what a pineapple
5: picador is, but we've got two of those. No, me either. A, a Hawaiian bullfighter. It, well, well it I, think,
2: it was, yeah, I think it was a music show.
5: Yeah, it sounds
4: like it uh-huh. almost had, had to. Yeah. But it wasn't Hawaiian music. It no. was really very strange. No, I think
2: it was, I think they get tired of a dull pineapple or somebody like that with a sponsor.
4: A lyric, okay, well, it wasn't very good. No. The name is even worse, so... <laughs> I I think i managed to toss it in there just because of the name. So we've got Black Flame of the Amazon. Nope, haven't heard any of those. Blair of the Mounties is my personal favorite. (laughs) An awful lot of people, I I would imagine, like Blair of the Mounties, but it is such a pale comparison to any of the other Mountie shows that are out there. it's, It's pretty bad. Danger, Dr. Danfield. Is oh, yes. Frank yes. Yeah, that's Frank um, Yeah. Yes. I, I listened to a couple of them last week,
2: and they are bad. John, yeah, John Dunning mentioned that in his first book. That was, oh. in his opinion, the worst of all the worst shows.
4: Family Doctor. Now, I'm thinking that that one was a Marcus Welby on steroids. Well,
5: yes. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, and... I mean, for its time, mm-hmm. no, it's not I don't think it's as bad as you know, no, as some of the others.
4: It, it's in in hokiness it's, yes. it is It gets a nine out of ten. Um, Ghost
5: Core. Oh yes, cannot forget, and I do not know why anybody even would would like to listen to to both series because there were two two stories in that series.
4: Ah, interesting. Well, I've only got, um... Let's, it looks like I've got three shows on... Oh, well, there's, like... There might be others available, Walter? Yeah,
2: it's, it's almost like close to 30 episodes or some crazy thing.
4: Sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. I, I'm being merciful. All of this fits on a single CD show. So <laughs> yes. In Valley Line. Oh,
2: um, uh, that's one of
4: Patricia's all-time favorites. I, I hope to tell you. I mean, it's bad. <clears throat> yeah, well... But there are an awful lot of people who really like that. This is a story. The Green Valley line is a choo-choo train, and the choo-choo train gets in trouble, and we've got these nefarious people who are trying to put the train service out of business, and, and it's a boy meets girl type thing, and they kiss and live happily ever after at the end of the, what, 13?
5: 39? I think, thir- I think there were what, only 13 or 26. I don't remember, but 26. Let me see here. You actually kind of expected it to continue, and it didn't. I know, <laughs> and I think that was a merciful end.
2: Am I understanding it was a local show? Oh, okay. Yeah.
4: Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. No, I, I thought it was wider than that. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, with the Green Valley line is is my one of my um, haunting hour was bad. Hermit's Cave was bad. Now, I put Jerry at Fair Oaks in here. Uh, Jerry at the Circus was pretty good, or Jerry of the Circus, rather, and Jerry at Fair Oaks is, is pretty much a, a mirror image in a different setting. Jerry just gets into trouble in a different place. But um, yeah, well... isn't my cuppa, so that's how come yeah. in there. Um, lives of Great Men, if you want to hear... An absolute assault on history. You must listen to Lives of Great Men. Okay. Yeah, you can you can look that one up. I have mercifully I'm be, I'm having mercy on people. I only put three of those shows in here. Nona from Nowhere.
5: <laughs> Never even heard of that one. I
4: didn't either. That's why it's there. Peril. Peril was not good. Planet Man. Planet Man was um, you know an
5: inexpensive Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks well, and I think it's BBC even too. Oh yeah, they they put it on a. Leave. This is I, an American production. Oh okay, I don't know then. But uh,
4: the BBC picked up so many of these things. Uh, ports of call.
5: There's a huge collection of ports of call. You go visiting a different place. Yeah, OTRR has got a couple. Uh, uh, has got a collection of that out. Yeah, treat yourself to. The Ranchos. Oh, okay. I have heard some of those, actually.
4: They're they're pretty bad. The Clutching Hand. This is Nora Drake, which is, I I guess it, for a soap opera, it wasn't too bad. It it just you know, in in contemporary times, it misses. The Witch's Tale I thought was a dreadful
5: show. And Zorro. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you've picked a couple of the of the hummerts. I don't know if they did both Hermit's Cave and The Witch's Tale, but... No, they, they,
2: um, Hermit Cave came out of, uh, out of L.A. originally, okay. and the Senate Cave came out at K.M.P.C. and, Richard, and Witch, Witch's Tale was a uh, Lonzo Dean Cole creation.
5: Okay, well, yeah, no, the, I, whether that was really horror or not, I would say no, but...
2: I think those show because they were so early in the game they got in such no ride, especially with the tail. It went back to the early thirties.
4: Yeah.
2: And I think it's um it's legendary status is due because of the of the
4: uh They were cutting edge. They uh they were
5: the front runners on this. They must have had many better. That was cutting edge. They must have had real dull knives back then.
4: It was the butter knife edge, I guess. Um, oh no! But I do—I did pull a Zaro show for play later tonight. Yeah. I thought that would be a great example of my
5: collection of awful shows. By the way, when you looked when when you were looking for the, or doing that Shandu stuff, did you find much some of the 1939 stuff? Oh dear! Because I was looking under OTR, and one of the thing was uh, was some Shandu from. 1939. They were in two
4: sections, and I'm sorry, they're in your envelope also. Oh, that's okay. No, I was just c- curious for you. Is something that you might take a look at? Yeah, they were in two sections. There was a huge
5: gap in the center somewhere. Because it's an easy show. It's, um, if you want to download and add more to your stuff, if it's yeah. stuff that you don't have, it's something I happened to see under OTR. Was One of the shows was Chandu the Magician, and then in the comments it said something from 19... Um, 39 or whatever. 39, 38. There might have even been some from 38. But that was kind of a fun show. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, Magic Islander was bad because it was, although, as I remember, the one good thing about Magic Island is that I don't think it had music. Um, it also didn't have political correctness. Well, no, but there wasn't much of that before, <laughs> no. before World War II. I mean, this is about as politically incorrect as you Tri- can get.
2: Trivia question. Yes. On well, Sean do the Musician. Yeah. The first one, the early day run.
5: Yeah.
2: What famous radio personality got big break on that show?
5: Uh...
4: Al Chicago. Um... Well, Tom Collins picked it up mm-hmm, earlier and...
2: Big, bigger, bigger than Tom Collins.
4: Well, I didn't think Tom Collins was particularly good. No. Um, I'm not going to say Bud Collier.
2: No. Already uh, but, but already Bud New York. Mm-mm. And it started in Chicago.
5: I don't know. Paul
2: Harvey?
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know. Uh, later had a great career in comedy in Hollywood. He would have star of his own radio show. Do
5: not know.
2: Uh, he took over for a fellow Chicago personality. The comedy show ran for 17 years on the network.
5: Oh, uh...
2: Harold Perry? Harold, who took over for Harold Perry?
5: Waterman.
2: Yes, that, he, that was his first break.
5: Waterman was in... What did he do? Was he, he an announcer?
2: No, he he went the lead for a while.
5: You're kidding. No,
2: in the early one. Wow. Yeah.
5: I wonder if those are those ones from 39 I, I, I or... don't
2: know, but I mean, this is like 32 when it first took... Oh. First, and I don't think we have any that uh, early uh, back, but...
5: Frank Chandu, The
4: Magician. Yeah. Oh my goodness. On, on the hunt for Robert Regent. Um, for people who don't know Chandu the Magician, it was kind of a, a magical show. He learned secrets from the yogi and he didn't cloud men's minds, but he saw, he could see through a crystal and see the future and see what was happening mm. in other places. And they were on the search for Robert Regent, his sister's husband, who they assumed was dead, but they were looking for anyway. And he was a scientist and he had these wonderful secrets that everybody wanted to get their hands on. So it was kind of a nifty and unusual adventure show. Now what
2: was the the magic show that they had a storyline, and at the end of every show they told how to do a magic trick?
4: Oh, that was Blackstone the Magician? Yes, Uh uh-huh. Oh, oh, I thought you were... Very good! And I want you to know... Yes. ...also know that that character was based on Harry Blackstone,
0: mm-hmm.
4: the, one of the, um, if not the most respected magician in the early 1900s. Yeah. And his son, he Harry Blackstone yeah. Jr.
2: I remember hearing his son his being son. interviewed by Larry King one night.
4: Yeah. He, he did Larry Blackstone Jr.?
0: Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah.
4: Very cool. But that, that was kind of
5: fun. Okay. Did you say we have a theme tonight?
4: Yeah. We well, have
5: a theme tonight.
4: Oh, good. Um, Let me see here, gotta pull back up my goodies, and we have, because last week was the end of Christmas season, poor Walden is hanging his head, so now it's time to return or hide the strange gifts, the ties that could light up the world, the set of golf clubs that was obviously bought on sale because it's a right-handed set with a left-handed putter, one of those deals. Um, and incidentally, the National Sporting Goods Association says one-fourth of all athletic products are purchased during November and December. I believe that. Think period. And yeah, you take them back in January? And, and you take them back in January. So tonight, I am asking, what is the weirdest or worst gift you ever received and took back or wanted to return?
5: That's, that's pretty. Yeah, in- I, I, actually, I've never really received a gift that was so, either so terrible or, or whatever that, you know. Inappropriate would be. Yeah, no, I never, no, but I will tell you one gift that everybody else thought was inappropriate, but I just had to have it when I was about four, was a coloring book. Now, you have to understand, people, that, those of you that do not know, that I am one of the legion of blind listeners to this wonderful show. But everybody else, my brother had my, both my older and my younger brother had one and my sister wasn't born yet and I had to have one. And so I got one. I cannot tell you how well I colored. I don't think I did very well, but I never knew. And uh, like I said, I had to have it. And and I, I also used to color on those slate things you know that you'd pull the, the paper off and it would make that noise. Oh, the plastic, the plastic yep. one, yeah. Oh, I know what I know what you mean. Yeah. And when I was when I was in school, when I was in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, I used to draw on the chalkboard because I always wanted to make that noise like the teachers made. I, <laughs> I you know. Yeah. Um. And of course, as a blind person, you never knew you never know what they write up there.
4: Yeah.
5: But. Um, which by the way, I got Harlan Ellison, Ellison with once. I called Ellison on the radio and of course he's a curmudgeon anyway. And, and uh, he was talking about, about, uh, oh, well, and nobody, nobody reads the articles in Playboy. And I called up and I said, well, I would just like you to know that I do indeed read the articles in, in Playboy. Of course I, I said, I do have to tell you also that I read it in Braille. So I don't get to see the pictures. So when I I saw him in a class at Cal State Fullerton, he came to lecture, and so I raised my hand and said, listen, I said, "Um, you know, I would like you, can you please read what you're writing on the board? Um, And, and, you know, and I said, by the way, I said, I'm the guy that, uh, that reads the articles in Playboy. So, of course, then he had to explain to the audience uh, what I had called and said. Yeah. You are a hoot. (laughs) Well, you know, I... I have two questions. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's that's all I was going to say. It was just one of those things. I was going to
4: ask you about a coloring book. There was something special about the smell of crayons
5: to me when I was little. Mm -hmm. Did you pick that up? Well, they did. I mean... I don't think that they ever I don't think that they smell different, but actually, this thing I like the smell of, and actually, so did so did my wife, she said, was mimeograph. remember the the smell of mimeograph paper and um, and copies on the mimeograph machine? What is like Walden probably wouldn't because you're just yeah, I'm too young. You're just young enough. <laughs> that you didn't. <laughs> they weren't doing mimeographs probably by the time you were in school. No,
2: no, not in school. I probably, maybe still in the business world, but I don't, you know, I know about it, but I never, I don't remember definitely even seeing it in school.
5: But I always liked, I always liked the smell of that.
2: But you're right, Patricia, crayon always had that sort of that wax smell to it.
5: Right, there was always wax smell, mm-hmm. smell but it didn't, it, it wasn't like different, in, uh, you know, in terms of colors or, or anything. But yes, it did have that kind of wax smell waxy smell.
4: Wouldn't that be interesting? What an idea if they put different scents in different
5: colors. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. Well, you know, there were some books,
2: and maybe you remember these, Kurt, that they were the scratch and smell.
5: Yes. Yes, they you did know. have, there was a book called Christmas and the Year Ahead, which became Expectations Later, and they used to have a, a page of those in the middle of that book. Um, for the blind, and they would always send, and, and they had, and of course, expectations. Uh, Christmas and the year had also had um, had pictures for the blind as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I also remember the kid when I started my sight, the book that the kid, the children's books that you open, things would pop up. Oh yes, you know, it'd be uh, like a bowling alley or a castle thing. It would actually will unfold and be and be standing up on your page.
5: Right. I never I never actually saw one of those. Mm-hmm. I know that yeah, I know that they existed. Are you in the market
4: for a question? Sure. Alright. Got a got a Richard Diamond question. Okay. Dick Powell. Yep. Who plays Richard Diamond. Yes. Private detective. Mm-hmm. Did something at the end of every show. What did he do?
0: Oh i Well,
5: saying. you mean the singing? Yeah. Uh, he always sang and yeah.
2: I I liked Dick Powell.
5: I did too. I yeah. mean, he was actually. I mean, it, it didn't have it didn't have the hard-boiled punch that I thought Philip Marlowe had, but no. he was but, a soft-boiled detective. Huh? He was. if he was. Hell, detective he was. <laughs> but that whole business with Levinson every week, and and I mean, it was a good a good uh, very soon. good show.
4: But, Would you like my collection of awful shows? Yeah, why not? I think you will enjoy some of them. <laughs> the the file of single shows, and there are a lot of them, um, I think you'll get a
5: big kick out of it. Oh, yeah, and you can see why there was only one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that, yep. that,
4: that, that we are thankful that only two of each exist.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Those deals, yes. Okay, I will pop that out to you. Okay, and uh, let's see. My next doctor visit is the 16th, so that's not... Until
2: what, ten days away. Yeah, so yeah.
5: I will be talking to you before that. Good. But um, keep up the good work, and Walden. Hopefully, if I can get it to work, I'm going to put you down uh, to send you a, a, a link so that we can share folders and I Sound can send great. stuff more easily to you.
2: Sound great. We'll work it out.
5: Okay. Thank
2: you. Talk to Bert. you guys later. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. 714-545-2071. That's the magic number. It's only ten digits long. Well, actually, you stick to one to eleven. But you know, one seven one four five four five two zero oh, seven one. A magic number. You know, I was thinking about pulling some Dick Powell music out. I was just in the mood, but I, I, I got thinking about other music, so I pulled that other stuff out. Hello there, you're on the air. Uh,
6: guess who this is? Well. Hello, it's Charles from New Jersey. Oh
2: my gosh! Oh. <laughs>
6: See, could not guess, jeez.
2: Well, if, if, you know, if you have kept talking about Patricia and I would have worked on it. We would have, we would have. We could have said a chow from the North Pole. No, it's not the North Pole here, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. How are you doing?
2: Alright. How are you both doing? Fine. We're super. Sounds like you got the air conditioning on. Yes. It's
6: only
2: 80 degrees?
6: Well, honestly, it's been well. Two weeks ago, we hit 107 as a normal temperature. The heat index was 120. Mm. Now it's just in the upper 70s and 80s, and it's humid. I don't know. Mo-
4: Mother Nature has been having hissy fits for two years now, and That's crazy. <laughs> oh, you know, who made the, I wonder when
2: when people started to publicize the heat index. I don't ever really remember that 10 years ago. Oh, it was all oh, longer than 10 years You think years. so? That really, that started to become something that they really started to talk about.
4: Yeah. No, it, it was It was more than 10 years ago. Mm. They didn't call it the heat index, though. No. They called it something else. Hmm. I don't
6: know. I always known that as the heat index.
4: Uh, you know, this week I
2: heard that Texas and Oklahoma both oh. hit, hit 115. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know.
4: Texas has had 36 straight days of 100 or more, and the only reason it's only 36 days is that they had one or two days in a row where it was only, like, 98.
6: They well, got a break.
4: had months
6: of this. <laughs> I think they're getting colder now. I think it's supposed to only hit 92.
2: <laughs> Ugh. So what you been doing, Charles? Everything okay up there?
6: Yeah, still waiting for my, uh seem to get settled with my job, it's taking yeah. too darn long. Okay. Just a joke.
4: <laughs> oh my. Are you in the market for a question tonight?
6: Yeah, if I can, uh, if I know it, I'll answer it, yes.
4: <laughs> well, what are you going to, uh, what are you going to do?
6: Well, give me a shot, I'll see if I can answer it.
4: <laughs> what was the name of the telephone operator in Fibber, McGee & Molly?
6: great the show i don't like
4: <sighs> oh no
6: are you serious oh, no. i don't I, honestly i guess i don't know just i just can't get into that show i think
4: it's a mortal sentence
6: <laughs> sorry i'm just
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Why did oh, Carlos, my heart i
2: think is. you're the first one we've ever talked to who's thumbed down on McGeeam <laughs> mcgee i
4: wouldn't
6: no, i wouldn't say it's thumbs down i'll listen to it but i'm not just you know I'm, I'm, I can't get into it like the, you know, my, the Jack Benny or the shows I like. I just can't get into that show. Charles, when... I don't know, it's just, you know...
4: Charles, when uh-huh. someone says, I hate that show...
6: He's going to say, don't ever call again.
4: <laughs> he doesn't deal that they're not in love with it. <laughs> okay, well, even though you hate the show, <laughs> do you happen to... Oh, hate, so I wouldn't
7: say hate, I just...
4: But you rolled your eyes, I could hear that. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I, I know these things. I know these things. Alright, do you know the, uh, the name of the operator? No. Oh, Charles. Alright, uh, what's
2: the name of the operator of the Jackmini show? Oh. Oh, God.
6: I know it's two women. Mm-hmm. Cruel. Yeah, cruel, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he puts me on a, He puts me on a... Uh-huh. Oh, boy.
4: Oh, God. We'll, we'll we'll pretend that he didn't ask that. No, we'll just skip over that one. Then we'll make him answer it in a couple of minutes. All right.
6: Once I hear, if I hear a show, and I'll know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: All right. Do you know the name of Blondie's husband?
0: Oh yeah, that's easy.
6: Blondie. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Dagwood.
4: Yes. Dagwood. All right. Oh.
6: The dog's name was Daisy. Yeah.
4: How many puppies did Daisy
6: have? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Too many.
4: <laughs> it's, it's correct. I really don't know the correct number. I think it's eleven, but there's somebody out there who can help me and know how many puppies Daisy had.
6: Yeah, uh, she was she was she was the octomom of uh, dogs. Yeah.
4: Right. Or the how do you how do you say the eleven mom? I
2: don't
4: know. Nine <laughs> mom and the eleven mom? I don't know. Charles, what can I send you? What do you think you might enjoy?
2: Well, we know it's
4: not February and Molly, so we know that. <laughs> and maybe we should make him listen to a few. We could. Well, I, I do listen to it, but I just, you know. Liar, liar, pants on. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way uh, you would volunteer. I'll listen
6: to it, but I just can't, you know, just don't grab me like my other, my favorite shows
2: I always listen to. I don't know. Favorite shows. What's on what's the Charles from New Jersey's top five favorite shows What's
6: uh, Jack Benny, mm-hmm. Suspense, mm-hmm. Really? Martin Allen, Bickerson's, The Whistler.
4: That's five.
6: And then, yeah, there's more.
4: So which ones would you like me to send?
6: Well, I got most of them, but let's see. Uh, I don't know if... I have two options. The first option, I don't know if you, can, you consider it old-time radio, if, there's, if you can find them out there. The Mystery Theater from CBS.
4: Greek Mystery Theater. Sure, I've got them.
6: Okay, that's easy then. You've got well, it. Well, you said that Hermit's Cave was a bad show. Why? Because of the guy laughing in the beginning? <laughs>
4: No, it was, it was really hokey. It it had absolutely nothing spooky about it. It was like a bad Halloween presentation from somebody who really hated Halloween. You know, it would be like asking you to put on a Fibber McGee and Molly show. Shoot,
8: <laughs> I'm going to hear this. You know,
4: I thought it was
2: fun. <laughs> when I ran the John Dana interview with John Duny a couple of weeks, he was the original Hermit Hermit and Hermit K- no. On K. no. And he also doubled. He was also the guy who played the organ. So he would he would he said he would read the lines and run over and play the organ and come back. So he he had two jobs in that show.
4: It was
6: what, disgusting. God, what, the, what, what didn't that guy do?
2: Jeez. I don't know. He was a cartoonist. He he was definitely multi-talented. There's no doubt about every,
6: that. It seems like every show he, he's in. Mm-hmm. Well, he's probably in Ferber, Ferber, McGee, and Molly. I don't know. Maybe he was the operator. I don't
4: know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: good one. Charles, you get a gold star for that one. I <laughs> oh, wouldn't.
6: The, no, the operator wasn't Mert, was it?
0: Oh my God! It was Mert. Got it. Man. Oh, it just
6: came to me. It's just like automatic. Oh,
0: yeah.
4: that was painful. That was painful. You really had to struggle for that one.
6: Oh, because I, I said, as I said, I do listen to the show. Uh. You know, I know. I remember the famous closet routine, and you know the. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, I always, I, all of a sudden, I just thought of Operator, and I always remember Tripper saying, what's up, Mert?
4: There. See? Okay, Mert's the, oh, maybe Mert? Mert's the Operator. Indeed. <laughs> well, CBS Mystery Theater was an excellent, excellent series, and boy, they had some stuff that would scare the socks off people. Yeah, some of the shows was, you know, wasn't that
6: good, it' been but as you said, you get to them shows that are scary. It's like, sh- Cause I remember I went, this is how I got hooked on old-time radio. I would, you know, come home from grammar school and the local station here would play it. And it's just, every night I listened to that and got hooked
4: ever since. Um, it, it had some good stuff. Even if it's not an ultra-spooky show, the production itself was always top-notch. Always top-notch.
6: Hyman Brown did it, and E.G. Marshall hosted it. And
4: oh, yes, E.G. Marshall was really good in that. So.
6: Come in. Welcome.
4: Right, welcome. Okay, well, CBS Mystery Theater is yours, and I will get them in the mail. Okay. It's good to talk to you. I'm glad everything is okay.
6: I'm surviving, yeah. <laughs> Can't complain. What the heck?
4: <laughs> we'll figure out what to do with you and Fibber McGee and Molly. Funny. <laughs> oh, I hate that show.
6: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. It just.
4: <laughs> yes, you did. Spontaneous reactions are always the more truthful. Oh man, oh, she got
2: you on the spot, Charles. You're not gonna be wiggle out of that.
4: You're doomed, oh. Charles. You're doomed.
6: That's like when it was cold in Florida. I said something. I heard it for the six months.
4: Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. You don't expect me to let something like that go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was good fodder for six months. Gee whiz, you were good.
6: How, how's the other regular callers that call in doing?
4: Well, if you listened, What a <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Fine. They're all doing very well. Oh, good.
6: Well, maybe maybe one of them don't like Fibber McGee and Molly, either.
4: Sure. I know that we have people out there who do not have Fibber and Molly as their number one show, but I'm going to give you a hard time about it for a <laughs> long time. Oh, boy. A very long time. In the meantime, CBS Mystery Theater is yours.
6: Well, at least one thing is good is Emily's not going to hit
4: you.
2: What's
4: not going to hit you?
2: Emily.
6: The hurricane?
4: Is a hurricane out there? Emily. Oh dear. Okay. okay.
6: They wasn't sure if it was gonna hit where you are, but it's, they said it's not going to now.
4: Oh, see, I got spoiled over the last two years and I have not, I used to check every day. So I'll have to go back to doing that, so. Okay,
6: you've got well, I'm not it. Gonna, I'm not gonna wish that on you, oh God. <laughs>
4: Don't wish that on me. Well, it is really good to hear from you, Charles, and I'm so I'm here. it's okay. I'll continue to
6: live. Well, I tuned in last week at 10.30, but I guess you weren't on?
4: We we, we were playing other
2: stuff until we came on at 12.30. Oh, I, I was... No, yes, we were. We, we We had an interview. We had an interview last Saturday.
4: We had the interview with, um... Dusty Rogers.
2: Oh.
4: Roy Rogers Jr., you weren't listening then either? Oh, Charles.
6: I tuned in at 10.30, then I heard all the other stuff going on, then I went to Dreamland.
4: It was late. Walton... Walden didn't tap in until late. He had stuff going on. You're absolutely right, Charles. You are not forgiven. Who, me? (laughs) (laughs) He knows better. He knows we're going to be here. Yeah. Okay, we'll do better, Charles.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I will decide. (laughs) Bye, Charles. Goodbye. <laughs> have a good night. Good night, Charles. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. So number. So we got a call for the west and a
4: call from the east. And, and wherever this may be. And a real quick first time callers. We have not had a brand new caller for a while. You automatically get to pick some radio shows. You don't even have to answer a question.
2: Hello there. You're on the air.
4: Hello.
9: Yeah, but I can barely hear you for some real weird reason.
2: It, why not? Why can you not hear us?
9: Oh, it's probably because...
4: Why,
2: not? why can you not hear us? Oh, it's, it's my fault. It's because of Larry Gaffman's got two things going on at once? He's going to kill that.
9: Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to call you back, I think, because I tried to do this so that I could uh, listen to you through my mixer and there's a seven-second delay.
2: Well, uh-huh. why don't we call, call me back, and we'll, we'll, re- we'll restructure the whole phone system just for you.
9: Actually, hang on a second. Okay. Uh, hang on a second. I think I can... Hang
4: on a second. I can hear it in the background. I can
2: hear it. Yep. Now. Okay. Yeah. You, can you hear that me? That better? What do you think, Patricia?
9: Can you hear me now?
4: It's fine. I can deal with anything. How are you? Uh,
9: you can deal with anything? I guess you have.
4: I can deal with anything. And you talked, you've been
9: with Walden now for how many years?
4: <laughs> That's right. I forgot about
2: that. It's almost, it's almost a year and a half. We're going to be two years, practically, later this
9: year. Yeah. Well, I wondered about that. I knew that there was an anniversary of some sort, but I couldn't remember exactly
2: when you came on.
4: I know. Sort of a loose one, because for a couple of years, Walden had asked me to do the Christmas shows with him, mm-hmm. and we were on for uh, a couple of different nights. hmm and then a, a year ago, this past Christmas, so a, a little more than a year, a year and a half ago, we did a, a series of weekends. We did what, two or three weekends, uh-huh. and covered New Year's Eve. And he said,
9: what, 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 what? Oh, there's Josh. Sorry about that. Keep going. You didn't hear it.
4: <laughs> I can deal with anything.
9: <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm, I'm testing you.
4: <laughs> You're testing my metal here. So um, he said, "Would would you um, do the show with me for mm-hmm. next week?" And I said, "Yes." And he didn't mean next week. He meant forever. Forever. Well, well, and well there I am. There she is. You know, eventually I, I would, you know,
2: I figured Patricia's just a good interviewer. You know, we'll get bring guests that way. She prepped for that, but her role expanded to the point that I can't live without her. So that's
4: that's what we got. Boy, am I wanted or what? That's right. Even on the post office wall. I know.
2: Well, considering that you know and Nolan have uh, been uh, having some free postage, yes, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised.
4: Oh, know about it. Mm-hmm. Hi, Larry, how are you?
9: I'm pretty well. Not too bad.
4: Did I hear? Is John tapping in as well?
9: No. Uh, Melinda's in the background talking on the phone.
4: Oh, hi. John
9: is recording. Uh, every year uh, our barbershop organization has what's called Harmony College or Harmony University, and they have a Saturday night show that they're webcasting, and that's what he's recording now. And so I, I don't see him online, so he still must be recording. He recorded that, and then today on Yesterday USA we interviewed Greg Oppenheimer uh, about Lucy's 100th birthday.
4: They're having a marathon of shows tonight on one of the stations.
9: Yep. Yeah, and it, well, they actually, and the recreations were on uh, about 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, and I, I got that as well, and it was actually really, really good. Michael C. Gwin was awesome. Great. It was terrific, and uh, there were several good stuff. He sang. It was very, very good, yeah. uh, but, but Michael in both productions was just terrific, and it, it worked out very well. There was only one little small little mistake that you barely noticed, and so it was a 90-minute show, and uh, they said they were just going to go, and whatever happened, happened. And they did very well, and I think that's pretty cool when you consider that a lot of them, are, some of them are stand-up comics, some of them are not necessarily actors in radio, and they did a, a really nice job.
2: Well, oh. considering how Greg preps everything, I bet he had pretty intensive rehearsal. Yeah. So. Uh,
9: well, he said there was one today.
2: I'm not surprised.
9: And that was it, because not everybody could get in, you know, as early as he did. Okay. But, but no, it was very, very nice, and uh, it was it was fun to listen to, and it was neat to hear. Uh, both, he did the story that they did at Reps, you know, of uh, the untold story of I Love Lucy.
0: Right.
9: And, and then, uh, they did the My Favorite Husband where they were meeting, where he's, they were trying to get uh, the one guy a date with, uh, what's her name? I forgot her name now. Starts out with them in the bridge club and then... Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot her name now. Uh-huh. It was only been two hours. But I can't remember her name. It doesn't matter. But it, it was a great show and they did a nice job. So they need to really be commended for that.
4: For, for new uh, folks who are just listening in for the first time and hearing Greg's name for the first time, Greg's dad was the originator of the I Love Lucy series on television that is playing forever and a day tonight. And by the way, Google, if you hop onto Google tonight, there is a special Google Doodle, they call them. It's an old-time television, and if you click on the dial, a clip from one of the I Love Lucy television shows comes up. They did a wonderful job on that, so I'm sorry for interrupting.
2: In fact, I think for people who may or may not, like John you guys were responsible for allowing great
9: kind of a person and he talks you know very quietly and very low key but he, get thing, he gets things done he's very meticulous I can see where uh, at one time he was a lawyer and was very happy to get out of that field but I can see where some of those kinds of preparatory
2: uh-huh.
9: things helped him a lot with regard to radio
2: and considering I deal with him on a pretty, I, he, he can be intense <laughs> right <laughs> and but, you like that because you want somebody who's going to well you know it too Larry you like to They'll, you like to hand a project off to somebody and you know it's going to be done right. Right. And Greg is one of those guys that can, yeah. you can hand a show and don't have to worry about it. it. Hey,
9: okay. Hey, Josh. Got of, I got rid of Josh. I was tired of uh, people on Skype that was telling me when they were going online or offline, and I figured you didn't want to hear that, so I dumped Josh. And and we did interview Beverly Washburn. She's, I, I heard her several times when you've interviewed her. And right. She's been on here, and she was wonderful. She's just terrific no not Jared Washburn's mom (laughs) (laughs) no grandma she's only 12 years older than I am come on no 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 just 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 read your email and and just leave me alone now (laughs) Uh, not Jared. Jared watch I never thought of that
4: (laughs) Um. could you just give a couple of lines about Beverly and the roles that she played in radio
9: well, she didn't do a lot of radio. She did, as far as we know, two Jack Benny programs. One was a cameo. The other was she played Mary Livingston when the Beverly Hills, uh, Beverly Hills, Hills Beavers uh, did a Benny program.
4: Got it. Okay. Uh,
9: the bulk of what she did was films and some television. Mhm. You know, she did, she did Old yellow, That's probably the most important thing that she said that people remember her for. Uh, Shane, uh, come back, Shane. I'll never forget that. I remember the movie a little bit, but I always remember at the very end, you know, the little boy. Yeah. back, Shane! Hello. In 1953, I guess it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she worked for Disney uh, and loved it, and we talked about that, and we talked about her book, of course, and uh, we did about 45 minutes, and, and it was, it, as it turned out, uh, her Skype, we, we did it on Skype, well, you guys were talking about Skype wow. earlier, and it worked pretty well, except that she plugged her microphone into the wrong hole I think because she couldn't hear me and she couldn't hear John we could hear her so I called her on the phone so that she could hear us through the phone now my now my uh, uh, computer picked up both sides of the conversation so it was fine
4: got it okay she played the worked microphone instead of the listen part okay I
9: think so yeah okay. but I, I couldn't I couldn't log in to figure out what she had done and it didn't matter it was fine we'll get it taken care of for so that she can actually talk on Skype she is such a person terrific. to talk with. What's that?
4: She is such a sweet person to listen to. She must be a joy to talk with.
9: Yes, she is. Yeah. So if I get it edited, um, it'll be on probably next week's show. That's what I'm, I want to do. So we'll see how that goes. It just depends on stuff. I'm By the way, another lousy, horrible show. Uh-oh. Why did so many of them exist? Uh, that, that I don't think I heard you mention, although I was out for a while eating dinner. Meet the Meeks.
4: Oh, you know, I I have come across that and I've never listened to it. How bad is it? So bad. Is it really that bad?
9: Oh, it's hideous. <laughs> I've got 52 programs and I think to myself, why?
4: <laughs> and how did it? Yeah. Take two weeks. You know, that's that's really interesting. Walden and I talk about this occasionally. How tenacious radio shows seemed to be. It, the, the awful ones managed to last until the end of a season, whereas in today's market, in the entertainment medium, any any medium uh, in the entertainment industry, they would kill them after the second week. They'd yeah. jump on them like grapes.
9: Well, it's, it, and it's it's weird in terms of syndication. Jerry uh, Hendegas and John and I were talking a few weeks ago. He emailed us and said, Hey, what information do you have on Joe Palooka? and we found some information on the 1930s version with full, complete casts and everything, but there's a version now that came out during World War II, and I don't know how widely circulated it is, but it's not very good, but it's 100, 130 episodes, and there's nothing about that show. Who, who was in it? Well, John recognized somebody's voice. Now I can't remember who. But, I mean, there were several voices, but we didn't recognize any of them. Oh, uh Stacey Harris. Uh Stacey Harris was in New York. That's the only voice we could recognize, and we're pretty good at that.
2: You guys are probably considered the best in the the hobby of figuring out who is who.
9: Yeah, but it it took, I'll tell you, when we came back, it took me a while. Quite a while, actually, to get into that so that I could remember voices that I had remembered before but had subsequently forgotten when we left.
2: Okay, that's a good. Of the character actors out there, who is the hardest one to figure out? For
9: me? Yeah. Um, women, female actors, uh, Uh, maybe it's because in many cases, men's voices Mm -hmm. can be more distinctive.
0: Mm
9: -hmm. Now, now Virginia Gregg, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. And I knew her and I know her voice, but there are, there are some women actresses, especially in New York radio, uh, who I met later in their lives. So their voices had changed, but early on for me, it's very tough to try and remember voices. Now there are some who are very distinctive. And it's not an issue. Certainly uh, Mercedes McCambridge, Elizabeth Eric, people like that. John, I can tell because of...
2: Yeah, Joe Banks. I can always tell Joe yeah, Banks. Yeah, me too. Yeah,
9: But there are others who have similar... Who have voices that aren't as distinctive. And and I can rack my brains and I'll hear the credits. I go, oh, okay. I know who that is now and I, I'll recognize it next time. But uh, and, and people in the early 30s, there are some who, who continued on into the 40s. They're fine. I can, I can get them. But it's the people who were in the 30s who never went anywhere after that. They're tough. They're really tough. So,
4: well, yeah. interesting. I, I just pulled up Radio Gold Index and looked for Joe Palooka.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: He's got two shows in his files and only some storyline bits about it. There is absolutely nothing about who the performers are.
9: Uh, I don't know, well, it was syndicated. I know that, but that doesn't make any difference because oftentimes syndicate shows, sometimes you know, the sheets would come in, come with the the discs for the radio stations. But well, like the Cinnamon Bear, we had to figure that one out, and then it, I didn't figure them all out, but I figured quite a few of them out, and so did yeah, John. Wow! Because nobody knew who those voices were, and luckily, so, quite a few of those actors in the 30s, because it was done from here. Yeah, I so think they th- went on to other things.
2: I didn't think Frank Nelson helped identify a lot of them, didn't he? If he I, did I, yeah.
9: yeah, he did. But they were all voices that were very memorable uh, voices from later on, like Joe Kearns.
2: Well, and for example, we but, th- we still don't know who Jimmy is of the cinnamon bell. That's been the uh, biggest mystery of the whole hobby.
9: Jimmy Barton. Yeah. I don't know. I've, now, I've heard his voice on other shows.
2: Right, but nobody can say who that is.
9: Right. Right, and I don't know why.
2: And the scary thing, we figured out eventually was Barbara jean who who the little girl, right. and we, I think people loved it. I remember people... I always thought she'd be a perfect guest for a and then I don't think we knew anything about until she passed away and she was a until school. she died. She, until he, she
9: was a schoolteacher. somebody who said she was a school teacher in the L.A. Yeah, a school teacher in the L.A. area. Yeah. And this is in the late 70s, even in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we never found her. And right. then we had heard that she had died. Right. So, and then even people like Frank Nelson and others who had worked with her, a lot of, even the radio people didn't know where she was because she got out of radio. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't pursue any kind of uh, an acting career and became a school teacher. So that's sad. Yeah. That's too bad.
2: Yeah.
9: And she did quite a bit of radio. Sure did. Yeah. Sure did. By the way, Patricia, did you get my link that I sent you today?
4: I was waiting for a break. I did. I downloaded. I haven't listened to them yet, but thank you so much for doing okay. that. Uh, Walden, Larry managed to get a link to me with the zip of the organ music, the organ Christmas music.
2: Terrific. The George Wright Christmas music.
8: Yes. Mm-hmm. And,
4: Larry, I still owe you Duke Ellington playing parts of the uh, Nutcracker Suite.
8: Oh, okay. I- Whatever. Whatever.
4: Well, I told you I would send you that as well, and that's on my list, and I didn't do it yet. I apologize. Um, Uh, Okay. He he did not play the entire, you know, one and a half hours worth of um, the Nutcracker Suite, but he played the essence of every single piece in the Nutcracker Suite. And it it is straight Duke Ellington. It's wonderful. Hmm. But having Duke Ellington and Nutcracker Suite used in the same sentence is so... I, it, it is just... It's incongruous. You wouldn't even think of it. You know, no!
2: It's no! It, it's another interesting thing that Duke Ellington did, and I went to a um, a church recital one time. Duke Ellington wrote a symphony, I think based upon the Book of Genesis, and he used it to, to, to be a way to raise food, raise money to buy food for the hungry. And he would donate it to churches and things to play it. Good for him. And... Uh, I remember going up to LA practically to go hear, hear a, a jazz group to do that. So Ellington was definitely well. Ellington was definitely a definitely unique individual. He ever I, I think he he would he went to professional music school and everything. He had that background training to really know what he, what he was doing.
4: He was good. Well, Larry, would you like my file of really awful shows?
9: Oh,
2: sure.
4: <laughs> I would love to.
9: I,
0: mean,
9: I need to go through and look and see if I've found more that I haven't. I never chronicled any of that stuff. I just remember as I arrow through now on the computer looking for shows to play on the show. Um, I mean, well, you earth, played earth. you you, you, that you,
2: one. you and John played Magic Island, I remember, back in the mid-'80s.
9: Yeah, we did. I liked that show, actually. <laughs> I, mean, and I, I only I've got all 130 of them, Kurt.
4: <laughs> I only listened to oh, <laughs> of them, but including oh. the introduction where the woman was looking for the little white girl in the Polynesian islands. So. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it, well, uh, I mean, if
9: if we want to get politically incorrect, then then go ahead and play uh, Moon Over Africa.
4: Yep, it was it was period radio.
0: And sure it was. sure
4: it, it was. It was really good stuff. But the the really greatest part of the awful shows is the list of single shows, as I as we talked about before.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I've got Aliens in the Mind, Adventures of Marco Polo. Um,
9: Aliens in the Mind wasn't a single show.
4: No, well, that's, that's, I've only
9: that's got a single con- show. It's a contemporary it's show done in 7980. Are we talking about the same show?
4: I, I really don't know. I'm I have. That was a not- on this CD, I've got a collection of shows themselves, like Ports of Call. Oh yeah. Samples from Ports of Call, but in a single, in one folder, I have single shows. So I don't know if it was part of a larger series or these were just ones that I came across and listened Mm -hmm. to. Now these are personal opinion of
8: course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well ports of call was
4: how could you do this? How could you do this? But
8: Well, I think we were
9: responsible for getting ports of call into the hobby because somebody (laughs) donated in to Spurgeback. And I think John dubbed them all from disc and as we he was dubbing them I I said, I realize this is history, but this will probably be the first and last time I ever listened to them.
4: This is they did nothing for me. You know, and I, I, I pulled down the whole collection, and I thought, I, I just can't do this to people, And I, aside from the fact that it took a DVD to...
9: Sure you can. You just have to force yourself.
4: <laughs> okay, I will force myself. We've got Tales of Tomorrow. Uh, okay. The, the Hidden Truth. Uh, oh, yeah. Rescue Party. A, a, a lot of these are probably single shows, not parts of series. Um, what do we have here? 2,000 Plus, The Green Thing. I think it,
9: Yeah, that's not a single show. I mean, there were several done.
4: 2,000 Plus, and I do have a collection of the 2,000 Plus. I think it was just The Green Thing, the show itself, that struck me as not being so really good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, of uh, course, a couple of Jack Webb shows.
9: Um, yeah, that was from 46 in San Francisco. They were comedy shows. As far as I know, those are the only two that exist.
4: Yeah, I... I and I've looked and looked and looked, and those are the only two that I've I've ever been able to find. Do you know if there are more out there?
9: No, there aren't. But if, if there are, they're not in circulation.
4: Wow. I, I, I hope somebody finds they, them. Because but I
9: didn't think it was a very funny show.
4: I I'm, thought there were. I
9: can't tell you that it was or wasn't funny. That's your decision.
4: No, no, I no. I thought there were parts of it that were absolutely hysterical. But as a variety show, it just didn't cut it.
0: No, no.
4: But the parts that he was in and had a comedic part in the show, he was hysterical. Yeah. He was really mm-hmm. funny. And Jack Webb is not the kind of person I would ever put the word comedy with.
9: No. No. Part of it's, part of it's a stereotype he got out of programs like you know, Dragnet and even before that where he was very monotonous and...
4: Uh-huh. And, and, uh And didn't th-
9: crack a smile in that sh- in the show. There was no humor to him at all.
4: Nope. And Pat Novak and Jeff Reagan and Pete Kelly's Blues and all the other ones that he did were the same deadpan delivery. That uh, it wasn't the same, but it, it was a deadpan delivery in mm-hmm. a different uh, manner. And I, I love Pat Novak and, and Jeff Reagan, but to to. It's as incongruous to put Duke Ellington and the Nutcracker Suite as it is to put Jack Webb and comedy. And he did a great job on the comedy. It was the show that was the ball. <laughs> um, and, and that is in my humble opinion. And then, of course, Tales of Fatima. With,
9: I've only heard a couple of those shows with Basil Rathbone.
4: Yeah.
9: Yeah, I've only heard a few of those. I don't know how many exist. I don't think very many.
4: Only two exist. Yeah.
9: Well,
2: what was the name of Stan Fleaburg's first show? the one that he was the star of? That,
4: that's Rich.
2: That Rich, and I, I guess we was so bad, he never even mentioned it in our biography.
4: Oh my. Uh,
9: no, he, he mentioned it when he did interviews, like, uh, with, you know, expert spurred back right, in Right, right. We brought it up, but you're right, I don't think he mentions his biography. <laughs> and there are only a couple of shows that are in nice sound. The rest of them were made with home recorders in uh-huh. the 50s, and unfortunately, the sound is pretty awful.
4: <laughs> awful is a good word. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, Awful Shows are yours, and Duke Ellington is yours. Oh.
0: What kind of music? Boy. Do you,
4: what kind of music? Do you like big band? Do you like um, classical? Is there a particular kind that, that really
9: twirls oh, I, I I don't mind classical, but I like big bands more.
4: You like big band? Because I've come across some pretty decent big band stuff. Um, I've got some big band from World War II. That looked to me like it was unusual. I'm not into big bands, so mm-hmm. what's unusual to me might not be unusual at all, but I'd be happy to send you what I've got from World War II. Okay. All right.
9: Okay. If you insist on sending things out, Patricia, I mean, you know.
4: We insist. Okay. All right. I can do that.
9: Yeah, that, that would be nice.
4: Yeah. I know how to do that.
9: Yeah. Yes, you do.
4: Yes, I do. Are
9: we having fun yet? Oh, scads. <laughs> oh,
2: gosh.
9: Yeah, I'm just uh, figuring out what I'm going to do here next for the show. we got so many people who want to interview as well. Yeah,
2: true.
9: But put that together, so we're starting to work on that.
2: Well, we'll see here. Uh well just for you how in the world do you do the show I think people be curious what's your routine sometimes badly I know but you can at least cover it up yeah that's true yeah <laughs> um how do we do it yep yeah. what when do you guys actually record when do you actually you know get it over to Jerry's site? just show sort of, just walk through a daily a, a weekly routine that you got to it's do fun.
9: You, what we try and do is, is pick, pick the shows. We'll pick the shows usually, you know, maybe a week or so before, but I have to get them out to Gary Lycan in the register, which is Orange County Register out here,
0: mm-hmm.
9: uh, has been plugging our show since we started again in 2010. And he needs it by Wednesday to get it to the paper so that it'll run on Sunday. So that's why this list that we've been putting together, I don't know if you're on that or not, Patricia, I can't remember. I'll have to look and see. Uh, we, I put a list together of, for him uh, and anybody else who was interested, a distribution list, because uh, a lot of our listeners from the show locally, when we were on ten years ago, wanted to be kept in touch. And so I've got—I don't know how many people on that list, and just people from radio, people who are radio fans. And every every Wednesday I send it to them so they have a, a listing of what we're playing.
4: I'm on following
9: the- Sunday. I get it. All right. I'm not. A, you're not on the list, or you are.
4: I am on the list. I'm on the list twice. Oh, you are? Yeah.
9: I'll take you off once.
4: No, 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 no. It's nice <laughs> you to have you.
9: You don't, you don't need two emails from me. One's bad enough.
4: <laughs> just, well, you know, I, I get uncomfortable when somebody says, "Well, let me let me wipe one of these out. Keep the both of them, just in case."
9: You you don't trust me, huh?
4: No, I don't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> No, we can do that. Um, Dan okay. Jays, uh, in Indiana just sent an email about a boxed lot of Joe Palooka radio shows. Really? Really. Now let me see where we're going here. Okay. Heri- oh, it's a heritage auction. Oh dear. Never mind. Heri- I mean, heritage auctions—you're in the big time there, and they make they, money. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it, at least you know there are approximately 200. Oversized 16 shellac platter recordings of the 1930s Joe Palooka show comprising. Oh, the 30
9: version. Okay.
4: Um, 1930s, yeah. Wow. 96 of the 130 total episodes of the show uh, starring America's favorite pugilist. This is great. Who was it? Um, Episodes 1, 3, 5, through 10. There are quite a lot of them here. Um, And also including the Aldrich family. Both parts of.
9: If you get a chance later on, will you send that email to me? I sure will. I'd like to look at it. I
4: sure, the record, the record, these are, re, these are records. These are 16-inch the, the letter recordings. Right. How about that?
2: Just for the, you know, I've heard legendary stories what some transcriptions go for. Like, for example, I think we all know what the, folks uh, a copy of the Wars of the World transcription went for one time. Uh-huh. Uh... But, you know, any idea in your mind what you think have been some of the more valuable transcriptions out there that generally people have paid big bucks that you heard about over the last, you know, 30, 40 years? Any ideas?
9: And and then remind me, and I'll get back to our our show. Uh, Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Well, I I mean, I know – I think the Supermans cost a lot of money. I
2: I know the Shadow, the small syndicate that bought the Shadow, they paid $500 a disc. Yep. For a stiffy disk. Twenty-five thousand dollars—they laid out.
9: That's that's ridiculous.
0: But they did
9: it, and they yeah. got it. You know, the, the the people who had it got the money, and yeah. so you know. And it got into circulation, which is good. I'm trying to think. Um, oh
0: man, let me see.
9: Um, anyway, um, we'll be home
0: all day tomorrow. What
2: I'm interested in, uh, I don't know if most people know that. There are roughly about 100 of the early Amos and Andy discs that have been bought up by a private collector that's never been out, this is from around 1930, 31, and I have no idea what that might have gone for, you know, for Amos and Andy fans, that'd be interesting to see.
4: Yeah,
0: it's here quite a bit, but I
9: never heard a figure. Right.
4: I don't know what these sold for, this was a a two year old or a year and a half old auction that is closed, and you have to be a member. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: it says join free and quick to see the full image, but you're not going to, they won't give oh. me a price unless I, I sign up and, and pay a right. billion dollars. Right. So I don't know how much it went for.
9: Anyway, uh, so, so we let people know about what the shows are going to be. And then usually if we're both home on Wednesday evenings, we'll sit down and do r- tracks, meaning we'll, we'll do all the talking that we need to do and put them in files.
2: So do you, uh, you, do you guys time out the show that way you know how much time to to uh to uh do intros and outros for?
9: No, well I can look at the shows on the computer and it'll tell me what time, how how long it is.
0: Okay.
4: So are you saying that your shows are a compilation of the tracks that you lay down at different times?
9: Usually on Wednesday and then and usually Thursday or Friday I'll go through and and I'll put everything together.
4: Well, how cool is that?
9: By, by Thursday usually and then Friday morning. Um, either before work or maybe afterwards, I'll upload it.
4: Yeah.
9: You know, and uh, and it's done.
4: I have a question yeah. for you. Yeah? What are your favorite top five shows?
9: Oh man, I wish you wouldn't ask me that.
4: <laughs> well, what is Walton's question? And then I'm going have, to
9: ask you about- That was a stupid question. I have a lot of favorites and that's the problem.
4: We talked about voices one night, did we not? Oh, Walden and uh, I have,
9: I've heard you know, voices. I, I've been accused of hearing voices, <laughs> but I don't think I ever talked about voices.
4: These are not the the hearing and talking voices. But oh, they're not? We were talking about old-time radio voices, and I put Elliot Lewis and John Daner at the top oh. of my list. Okay. Because I think, I mean, to my ears, and their performances and flexibility in Changing roles and doing such a fabulous job. I mean, Remley to Philip Carney and *Voyage of the Scarlet Queen*, and uh, to hear John Daner still in two westerns and go from *Have Gun Will Travel* to *Frontier Gentlemen*. I I just think they were they were staggering. In the Uh, in the voice department, who are your top two? Top two? uh, Top one of the top two
9: would be uh, definitely would be Elliot Lewis. It would be. It would be. um, Virginia Gregg would be up there. Jeanette Nolan would be up there. Um, I I don't think Lorene Tunnel would be, not that she's not a wonderful actress, but uh, if you're talking about voices where they can do a variety of things, um, she wasn't one dimensional, but she didn't have the flexibility to do the kinds of voices that, say, Virginia Gregg did. Yeah, I would
2: not consider Lorene Tunnel a character actress. She would definitely definitely a leading lady. Uh, you know, opposite the co-star actress, you know, somebody that kind of structure. In well,
9: Mercedes of Cambridge, I wouldn't consider her a character actress either.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay.
9: I mean, she played a lot of characters, but she didn't know Nolan, I would.
2: Uh huh. Okay, no one, Nolan, no Nolan, Virginia Gregg. I there could be times when I don't know it's them right away.
9: Mhm. Yeah. Um.
2: I have a t- tough time sometimes figuring out Vic Perrin some of, some of the some of the Gunsmoke cast yeah. when they get in there I have not sat there and really to, to break them all down to figure out okay this one is this and this one is that
9: yeah I, and I knew Vic yeah I know you did acting class from him at one time so I got to know him pretty well
4: I trumped on you when I said John Daner, and I kept talking, and you were going to say something. And by the way, I appreciate so much the two interviews that you sent me with Elliot Lewis and John Daner. Oh. Yeah, I know. So, well, why. now
9: I know why you wanted them, because they're your two of your favorites.
4: They're my two favorite people, or my two favorite voices. And, of course, Elliot Lewis was so multidimensional that yeah. you know, he'd, he'd – I, I told and I, I – these are the two people I would like to spend an afternoon with if I could.
9: Oh, well, Larry, Larry did. Larry, Larry knew both. Oh, and you had told me the other night on the phone, I had forgotten that that uh, Neil Watts, who was a radio...
2: Personality in L.A. for a while, yeah.
9: NPC, ...and later on left that job to go into voiceovers and made a mint. It was certainly the right decision for him. This is in the... Mm, Oh, mid-80s, maybe, yeah. and so he's been doing it ever since. But he had, he used to love old radio, mm-hmm. uh, and so he frequently had people on his show. He had Vic Perrin, um, and he had John Daner, and, and I guess we must have called in when he had John Daner. Yeah. I, I didn't remember that, but Walden told me that. I don't have a tape of that one.
2: Right, okay. I
9: tape that he did with Vic Perrin, but not the one with John Daner. And then, of course, we called John Daner to be a part of our CBS Western panel, That spurred back in 1982. Maybe one of the neatest things we ever pulled off.
2: Tell the audience, tell tell Uh, people who was on that panel.
9: John Daner, Vic Perrin, Harley Bear, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, and Peggy Weber. And we wanted Barney Phillips. And Barney Phillips went into the hospital just a few days prior to the meeting, which was, I think, August of 82. And then died the following Monday oh, in the oh. hospital, and we never got to him. We we talked to his agent, but we, we knew we never got to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: So unfortunately, that does happen. You know, we're talking about people who were well—they were in their 70s then, most of them.
4: Yeah.
9: yeah, yeah. but when you look back on it, that's still 20 some years ago, almost 30. Hey. Wow.
2: Well, well, well t- t- you know what I remember about John Dana on that panel. Oh. What the story he told oh, at the Griffith at
9: Park? Park.
4: I'm getting well,
9: I had forgotten about that. He also told some some, some stories about the Hermit's Cave. He said he was the Hermit. That's right. Uh, in L.A. and that also that show also appeared in was in Detroit. But I can't remember which came first, the Detroit version or the L.A. version.
2: I, I boy came Wait, to see. We're,
9: we're
10: okay.
4: To get some feedback here, we're getting sounds bouncing back. back. What, what kind of connection are you on, Larry? What? What? What, what kind of a connection are you on? We're to some some really serious sound sound.
9: Oh, I'm I'm talking to you through Skype because Melinda's on the other phone.
4: Okay. Okay. We're, we're is it any better now? No. No.
9: Oh. <laughs> I should then I should hang up and let you go to somebody else that can talk to you.
4: <laughs> Maybe that because uh, it it really is some. I just I my headset and we're not it. It's just some. Um, some artifacts around that keeps bouncing back.
0: Yeah,
9: it happens on the Internet from time to time.
4: Well, you are so wonderful for calling in, and I will get some big bands from World War II and some awful shows out of oh. you.
9: I can't wait for the awful shows. Thank oh, you I so can. much.
4: <laughs> Send them to you. Cool. I'll talk soon.
11: Okay, thanks, Patricia. Thanks, Roy. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
4: Bye. All
2: alright 714 714-545-2071, the making technology.
4: Well, still, I mean, technology, indeed. But I was starting to hear some sounds, and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's it's just my receiving, and nope. I was hearing your echo and his echo and my echo. And when I put on my headset, that's what was, what was going out over the air. So.
2: Yep, yep, you're right. You got Patricia has the sensitive ears. In the oh,
4: I've got baby ears.
2: Yes, yes, don't very baby ears. When you call, just hey. don't shout. You know, you yeah. got you gotta watch it for Patricia. Delicate. Uh, 714 Give us a call.
4: So, tonight we have a theme.
0: A theme. What kind of,
4: yeah, what kind of Christmas gift? Now, you, you had a great story about a gift that your brother got. Uh-huh. What kind of a gift did you get that was either so inappropriate it made you say what, or one you wanted to return, one you did return, one that was weird, or... Even what, you know what's interesting. People are are doing the re. They call I think they call it re-gifting. Yes. Where they get a present that they don't want, and they wrap it up and give it to somebody else.
2: I had a uh, a great aunt named Mabel. Uh huh. Mabel, quite a hoot. Mabel, a uh, husband. Um, they own a hardware store, and after ran it, and it, it went blank bankrupt, and he was not really smart with business, so Mabel took over and built the empire up, and she was known to re-gift Christmas cards.
4: in the mail. You
2: knew what, what you said with Great Aunt Mabel. Hello there, caller. You're on the air. Well you got some real interesting calls
11: tonight.
0: I know. <laughs> Hello.
4: <laughs>
11: I can Hi. tell that either both of you took a nap or one of you took a nap because you guys sound like you're on all cylinders.
2: Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't wake up until 1130, so that means Patricia's going to be staying up all night, which she does anyway.
11: <laughs> My gosh, but you guys sound really wide awake tonight.
2: What do you think,
4: you
11: know, Patricia? Are you awake? No. No. I'm only... I know for...
4: I'm pretending.
11: Yeah. <laughs> I know for Patricia, it's about like already midnight, almost. I know. Well, you know, should she drank 13 cups
2: of coffee in the next two hours, she'll be fine.
11: Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Anna, I, I tell you, um, let's see. Uh, old-time radio girl voices. I think if, if 30 years from now I listen to an old radio show and I hear um, a familiar... Female voice, that's
2: Patricia. I know. She does have the adorable voice. Yeah,
11: I remember Patricia. I remember Patricia when mm-hmm. she was in her seventies, mm-hmm. but she still sounds pretty cool, you know. <laughs> and talking about people who, I didn't realize that Rosario died at age one hundred and seven.
0: Yes,
2: she was still performing into in one hundred five, one hundred six years old. I tried to get her on the show. But her hearing was pretty much gone, so we couldn't do a telephone. If we could have done it in person, we could have still had her.
11: Well, but I, I, they have her playing something on YouTube, and she was 105, and my God. She
2: was still doing concerts and things that people could go see. And I have a great, oh, I I know where it is. Um, Patricia has a copy of this. The Golden Age of Radio interview Dick Burton and Ed Corcoran. I think it's episode number 12. They went over to Rosario House and she played the organ and piano and all the great radio theme music and shows live for them. Wow. For the whole hour. And so uh, it's one of my favorite of their shows. So if you're looking for something with Rosario in great high fidelity sound, that, that is the show.
11: How did you get it?
2: Because uh, I ran the series, the webmaster sent me the whole CD. So I've been running on the on the weekend over the years. I
4: think I have that series. Do I? You
11: do. Know? You do. You do. I do. You do.
4: What series did I promise Ron? I'm going to have to open your envelope now.
11: Hey, let's see. I, I'll tell you what. Let's see. You sent me. Let's see,
2: let's see, Uh. sent call. Um, uh, no. 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 not of nowhere. Um.
11: <laughs> they send me this. No. No. This. My other. Short of only. On the West Coast. Uh, what was his name? Walden. Uh, I only played in the West Coast. So.
2: Uh, what? Organist?
11: No, no. Detective show.
2: Detect. Oh, uh, the Witcher. Oh,
4: uh, Stand by for Crime.
2: Stand, stand by for Crime. Yes. There you go.
4: Your. One. That one's in your envelope.
11: And, yeah, that's the one. And then. You're... The Whisperer. Yeah, the Whisperer. And 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 um, and one more. And now. Where are they now? Who are they now? Where are they now? What's well,
2: there? whatever, became so whatever
11: it became of. Whatever it became of. It's
2: a pretty fat envelope. Oh, then
11: Patricia, yeah.
2: I know. She's not going to be able to get it out of the apartment. It's too big.
11: And, I, and I'm and i sending you, Patricia, some goodies, too. Have um, you ever heard of the program Philco, Wall of, oh, no, Wall, Philco Hall of Fame show?
4: Philco Hall of Fame. I came across a Philco show. I can look.
11: No but, no, but that's what I'm sending you.
4: Oh, you're sending me. No, I
2: don't have... You ever heard of that, Walden? Yep. There was two different versions. There was like an all-star show where they took famous uh, events in, of, of radio and broadcast them, or famous radio personality. And then Paul Whiteman also had the Phil Cole show starting in 40, 45. Yeah,
11: right? Yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I'm sending her. And also, a weird show... Um, it might not be to your liking, but it should be quite interesting. Uh, you know, Babe Ruth had some shows sponsored by the Navy. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Yes, and he, you know, he did a reasonably good job.
11: Yeah,
4: um... You know, he even had a Quake show.
2: Babe Ruth had a Quake show. I don't think we have any recordings of it, but he he had a Quake show for kids. Yeah,
11: someone has Patricia some of the Babe Ruth uh, Navy shows. And there, yeah, you... pretty good stories on it, Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I, I don't know if there are true stories, though. I don't think so, right? You I don't, don't think there are true stories, right? It's hard
2: Wallace. to tell think so. these things. Joe DiMaggio had a show.
11: Yeah, he had a show.
2: Joe, I haven't heard it yet. And then Johnny Lujack, the quarterback for Notre Dame, had a show. Mm-hmm. I think Casey
4: had Stengel
2: had a show. I would not be surprised. Who had a show? Casey. Let
4: me see what I've got here.
11: Well, no, Johnny Lujack had a good show. Yep. The show was pretty good
4: rice. I've got Grandland rice.
11: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. sports writer, yeah? I eat that all the time. <laughs> 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 Goes well. It's a good start. Quite... <laughs> what I got in the sports department here. Cause I... Oh, I'm talking about um, familiar voices. Um, you know who, whose voice you'll always recognize? Um, Bill Conrad.
4: Yes. Oh, he is so recognizable, even when he tried not to be.
11: Yes. Uh, Bill
4: Conrad and...
11: Oh, you guys mentioned his name, too. Um, the one that always played on uh, Jack Benny's show. Uh, oh, Lewis? You know. Uh, and he played... Um, Frank... Every...
2: I can, you can always recognize Frank Lovejoy. Frank Lovejoy.
11: No, no, that's Frank Lovejoy. Um, Another one. Nelson, Nelson. Frank what? Nelson.
4: Frank Nelson? No. Yeah. Ron, he, when he was in his comedic role, you would recognize his voice, but when he was in a serious role, you'd never know it was him. He was a detective.
11: I'm not the,
4: you know, when, um,
11: uh, what's his name, on his show uh, that um, Jack Webb played...
4: Jack uh, for Hire? Yeah,
11: no, that one. Uh, Jeff Reagan. Yeah, there you go.
4: Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah, he... <laughs> In the, in the sports department, we've got Leo DeRocher had a show.
2: Leo, that's right. Thank you,
4: DeRocher. Izzy Dean. Oh, my show. Okay. Don Drysdale. I did not know Don had one. Okay. The Adventures of Babe Ruth. Yep. Bill Stern, of course. Bill Stern. And I don't know. Tops in sports. I don't know what that show is, but I've got it. Hmm. Why would I have it and not know what it is?
2: You haven't listened to it yet.
4: I guess. I mean, this is really on the top of my list to listen to sports shows, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> which which Babe Ruth do you have? Um, It says The Adventures of Babe Ruth, but I don't have very many, Ron.
11: Well, I'll send you what I got. I, I, I got to check what my title is, yeah.
4: It is very cool.
11: You should, cool. Yeah, I'll actually put it in the mail of something next week. But, but, um,
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, what else?
11: Well, I guess that's it. I have uh, my well, about returning gifts or, or sending a gift that somebody gave it to somebody else, I've never done oh, yeah. that before. You did what? You know, somebody gives you a gift and you wrap mm-hmm. it up and mm-hmm. send it to somebody else.
4: Yes, what happened?
11: <laughs> I never did that.
4: You never did that. You know what has happened to some people is that they give it to another person who doesn't like it, who gives it to another person. And it comes full circle.
2: Yeah, so I remember, Phil McGee and Molly and Doc Gamble did that to each other one time.
4: They kept passing the same gift. Yeah. course because neither one of them knew what it was.
2: So what is etiquette? Now, you know, okay, we've all gotten gifts. Uh uh-huh. That's really we don't really see us keeping. Uh-huh. What if the, uh What is the correct when the correct way to handle a gift when do you actually put throw away in the trash?
4: Oh goodness, never.
2: Never. Okay.
4: Never. I might not ever use it, but I would find a home for it, even if it went to Goodwill. Okay. Was did Jack Benny, he said, uh, what did
11: you want to make sure that you have on the TV? Make sure you have a price tag or
2: something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to change the price tag for Don Wilson. You know, put <laughs> another dollar on there.
11: <laughs> anyway, um, well, who was the last caller that you talked to? Probably
2: was Corey Gassman. What? Oh. Larry and John Gassman, you know, the famous twins. Uh, L- Larry's older by three minutes. No, he
11: has a sh- they both have a show on, yep.
2: um, They have, it's on yesterday, USA, Saturday at noon, West Coast time. And then they're on Jerry Hindeke's site, and then they are on radio stations throughout the country, like in New Mexico, and, and their, their, their show was in L.A. for 12 or 20 years. Uh-huh. They were, uh... They were the go-to guys in LA radio that played all-time radio. Who, who used to be guests on Ray Bream's show and Lance Berbak and uh, those...
4: and they've, they've got great interviews. Same time, same station. Yes. Oh.
2: They, they're okay. interviewing. They interview one of your favorite favorite females today, Beverly Washburn. So they're gonna get that ready for this week, probably.
11: Well, then, though, I'm glad there's somebody else in <laughs> besides you. <laughs> Steve's all that said there and by the way we, I don't even recognize the voice of Janet Waldo when she was younger you know, um, it's,
0: you even,
2: know when, when Janet's not doing a, a comedy bit uh, you, uh, you can, it's a very soft in voice when she's so not-
4: modulated. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, she, she wound up in character roles. Yes. And her voice went along with them. So she's very recognizable. I don't think I've ever heard her outside that. Uh, you know, Because when she does interviews, it's typically because people remember Corliss Archer right. and a date with Judy. Right. And they remember her from the Jetsons on television, mm-hmm. so her voice tends to stay in that category. Right. And I've never heard her, I'll, I'll call her her real voice, I've never heard her real voice.
2: Her real voice, that one we interview, is pretty much the same she had privately, but when you hear her in dramatic shows, like Screen director Playhouse. Uh-huh. Uh, it, 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 it's it, it's a, a very young ingenue, but doesn't have the... Uh, the trace in the comedy, the comedic trace.
11: So what we... Well, before we've... I hang up, you know what show I read? I, I, when I was younger, I enjoyed it. But I don't enjoy listening to it now and that much, and that's a shadow. Um, I don't know, the, the shadow, I, I, just, I, don't, I just don't get turned on. I don't, I didn't like the Orson Welles shadow. Oh,
4: I didn't it. either. I didn't like that at all.
2: Uh, I uh, I, thought, I like. I thought it was very, I thought the storyline was very dark too. To be honest
11: with you, uh, during yeah. the
2: Orson Welles period.
11: Yeah. Uh, then who who, I took, who went after Orson Welles? Out?
2: Bill Johnston.
11: No, he wasn't too bad, but then the last one was.
2: Brett Morrison.
11: Yeah. He was- I, ca- I guess because I grew up with Brett Morrison, I was you know in my prime young years, and uh, I like his shadows the best.
4: I didn't but, grow up with any of them, Ron, and I think Brett Morrison is the best. Yeah, but I don't really care for
11: the shadow. And yet I know that there are so many people I mean, how many I mean, they wrote books on the shadow yep. and everything else. I mean so many people love the shadow. I just I just could never get turned on. By I,
2: it. I think Martin feels if the history mm-hmm. the the liking and the law of it is almost bigger than the show itself. Yeah. Because he camp. You know,
4: you know it's it's one of those things where people remember Fibber McGee's closet whether they like the show or not mm-hmm. and they remember the the um, weeds of crime their bitter fruit uh, the shadow knows they remember that and they remember Ohio silver they remember those taglines that belong to those shows and that made them famous and memorable
11: probably whether they
4: You're like right. Now
11: I, I gotta admit, when I was, I did like Inner Sanctum Mystery. Ah. I, I, maybe not, was see, Raymond, the
2: other one after Raymond. Raymond Edward Johnson originally did it. Yeah.
11: Uh, and then Paul
2: McGrath took over. Yeah. But, uh, no, but the, the, those, those were the concept. He, Hyman Brown sold that show because he the, the concept of the whole, and the squeaking door, the stories are not memorable, you know. I sort, of, I sort of feel like the same way about Lights Out. I think Lights Out, I think, um, it has this great reputation of being a show, but you sit down and listen to a lot of them. I don't know if they necessarily holds up.
4: Yeah, but that's another one with Lights Ow. Out. People remember
11: that. Certain Lights Out, certain lights out shows were very good. Mm-hmm. Very
2: scary too. Well, ah. you know, I don't know if you ever heard. I don't know if I ever played the interview part where October talked about his very first life-out script. Oh gosh. And it's a heartbreaker uh, because he decided to write a script about a, a funeral where they're burying a 16-year-old girl, and the family's there, and her boyfriend's there, and she's in a certain type of coma, I guess, or Patricia can explain it medically to us. That she was not dead. And she was being buried alive. Oh, my God! And uh, it got 30,000 letters that week. And, you know, you just think in, radio, in TV days, you got one or two that shake the advertisers. But what got Arch very broken up, he got a letter from a mom who buried that week her 16-year-old daughter. And said, I hope you will always remember this. And he did. He never forgot that he could still quote the letter line by line. And, and he told that to Rebecca And so he said, think of the impact to, to me as a writer, realizing what I put down on paper will affect people. Mm-hmm. And so from that point in, he was trying to be very careful about s- situations like
4: that. Uh, he was aware. Quiet Please was a really weird show, and mm-hmm. I'm not into the, the weird stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, me too.
2: And that was Willis Cooper who created Lights Out, eventually wrote that series. Yeah.
11: The thing on the formal board has been played over and over and
4: over and over. Oh my God.
2: The only time Patricia's ever written in the OTR di- Digest yet, it was regarding that show. What? Right.
4: The for- was, the, was the thing on the formal
2: board? Patricia wrote a piece about it, her, her analysis of, of the show.
11: I mean, I don't like to eat pork chops. Uh, I just uh,
2: You like the pineapple picador? No,
11: uh, no, that's what he ate. Tr- uh, pork chops on the thing on the foam board. Um,
4: <laughs> that's right. That's right. You remember. Or the pork chop or whatever. Oh, that's uh, right. Frying pork chops. Uh, and uh, Lights
11: Out had one where, was it one? I think maybe it was Lights Out where the body turned inside out. Yeah. And out. It was some weird. There's some real creepy
4: shows,
0: you know. I'm, I'm not
11: into creepy stuff, but the thing
4: on the fourble board, boy, that's a gripper.
2: <laughs> well, it's sort of like, I I think Three Skeleton Keys that way. That one is a fabulous show. You know, you should think about it, that was a great escape and suspense show. Ooh, the images of having a rat come and climb... Do the lights out.
4: You can hear them squeaking and chewing on the floor. Yeah.
11: I know. That was weird. That was kind of, yeah. It but for,
2: was you, know, you know, when I used to go down to Boy Scout camp and had kids who had never heard old time radio, and they 10 and 12, and 10 o'clock at night, you know, driving on a winding dirt road for an hour, you pop that in and you got everybody's attention. And it, with no lights in the dark.
11: Uh-huh. You probably got a If you play Landon versus ads, you probably could get the shit. I think
2: the same way The, the same thing would have happened, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I do agree. You know, it's interesting. People talk about Vincent Price's version as opposed to William Conrad's version. Mm-hmm. I love Vincent Price, and I can live without William Conrad, and I think William Conrad's version is the better of the two. Wow.
2: That's high remark.
4: High praise.
11: Yeah, that is.
4: Because William Conrad is just, uh, he's hes not even in the middle of my voice list when it comes to radio and television and movies. And I mean, he just isn't on my good list. I i say not on my good list. I mean, I, I just don't appreciate him as other people do. But in, in the three-skeleton key, I think he did the superior version.
11: Well, anyway, I'm going to cut you guys loose out. So Patricia, chicken milk. The Pony Express should be coming by either the end of the week or at least by Monday of next week. What? And, uh, so I'll be.
2: How's the weather in Hawaii? Is it, is it? Can everybody move there? Is it nice and cool?
11: You know, we've been having a lot of trade winds. It's really nice, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think I'm going to send Patricia to make her homesick for Hawaii. Another bunch of Hawaii calls. Ah. Oh. And then. You can hear the waves of
0: Waikiki.
2: Are you gonna and send her a, 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 a Halula's... Beverly
11: Edwards. And,
2: yeah. Yeah. You going you gonna send her a grass skirt too? That way she can it's get no, the moon. No,
11: no, no. We don't have it anymore. Some hippies moved to Hawaii and, and <laughs> get all the grass. Hooked it all up, and so we don't have any.
2: Grass. Oh, do they do they still hang Do they still hang flowers about around people's necks at the airport? Oh yeah. That still be done. You
11: are gonna send me on a tour? He definitely, he will receive a flower late from the, the tour guides,
2: you know, man. Yeah, who, who pays for all those flowers? Is that the, that's the Chamber yeah, of Commerce? Yeah,
11: the White Business Bureau and all that kind of stuff.
2: They might get a good deal on flowers if they're, if they're already giving somebody, somebody to somebody.
11: My friend, I I have a friend. He was a coach of University of Houston. His name was Guy Lewis. Oh, I
2: remember Guy Lewis, the famous basketball coach. Oh,
11: yeah, he was. He had the five demo who yep. was coached with Alvin Hayes and...
2: Team and, and, yeah. and all that kind of
11: stuff. Anyway, he, he's growing a plumeria tree in his yard. And uh, so I just sent him a whole um, a, a thing, of a, a root or whatever, to to his house, and he's going to add some more plumeria trees to his home and stuff. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk to you guys later, and Patricia, it's always nice to hear your your 79-year-old voices. <laughs> we
4: have to stop doing that. People are believing us. <laughs> well, well, put your picture on the internet or
11: something, or you don't want to.
4: I'm only 78, and you know it.
11: <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. By the way, I, I did enjoy you guys, the month of July. It was very good, was very, very refreshing. And, uh, so keep it up, and, and, we'll, and Christmas Eve, um, I, I promise you we'll have a good show because it's going to be Saturday night, uh, we'll, and we'll make sure we have some fun things happening.
4: Cool. You can help? Of course.
11: Of course.
4: Oh, Ron, that would be so terrific. Thank you. Yay! All right.
11: Talk to you guys later. Okay? You bet. Aloha. Aloha. Oh,
4: you know,
2: it's getting close to the 70th anniversary later to mention the Great Girls. So we should probably call Shirley Match and get her on. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, we should probably be doing that pretty soon. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. 545 is our number. Give us a call. We're up and about. Waiting for you to call. And stuff like that there. Where's the phone? There he family hasn't abandoned us. That's good. Hello there. You're
7: on the air. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Jim, how are you? i fine. Hope you're all having a nice Saturday night.
2: Thank you. I have the fan <laughs> on at a great whopping 70 degrees down here, so I'm doing good.
7: Well, that's good, and I <laughs> hope it's not too hot for Patricia in Florida.
4: It's always hot in Florida. No, I'm fine.
7: Well, that's good. Well, we weren't, we were, my friend, one of my friends and I were talking the other day on the phone, and I was telling him about your MP3 that you put together of the worst radio shows. Huh? And I'm going to send him it, and he's going to borrow it and make a copy. But we got to talking about some of the shows on the list, and he wanted me to ask you. I said you were real, you, went, you did a lot of uh, research on putting this together and putting shows together. He wanted to ask your opinion, since you know about bad radio shows, about two that he did not care for. And you know, and I realize this is strictly subjective.
4: All subjective. You're right. What are so,
7: the one, first one I'm going to ask you about that Ron was not a fan of, Honest Harold.
4: I have to tell you, I'm, I'm not a fan of Honest Harold, but I wouldn't put it in an awful show category. I, I think it was a pretty good shot at trying to copycat the great Gildersleeve. Um, he gave it his best shot, and it didn't
7: work. Right, and of course, with him leaving Gildersleeve and moving to CBS, CBS needed a vehicle for him.
2: Exactly. makes you wonder what they should have done what should they have done with Hal Perry
4: I think they should have given him an entirely different format
2: that's why I'm just thinking what would it, what would have worked
7: I don't know because he had a lot of the Gildersleeve characteristics the laugh and some of the things mm-hmm, he, but, admittedly he didn't have Leroy or Judge Hooker or any of the supporting players but, that made the great Gildersleeve go
2: but I'm just thinking out loud okay you know he, he if you don't I mean, if you left the Gildersleeve, and if Patricia, po- he probably should have had a whole new vehicle, what it should have been. It'd been, it'd been sh-
4: it should I- not have been the voice uh, of Gildersleeve. He should have reverted back to a normal voice. He should have abandoned the laugh. Um, and, and a comedy role, gosh, I'm, I just really don't know. A family situation didn't fit Hal Perry.
7: Well, it only, of course, and I, I guess it's obvious from its history because it only lasted one season.
0: Yeah,
2: makes I mean, here CBS spent the money on him, and you know they they, they thought they could take the with Show, and they just wound up with Hal.
4: Yeah,
2: makes you wonder what they could have done.
4: You know, he was the Planet Man of of comedy. You know, Planet Man was a poor imitation of Flash Gordon,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and I think Harold Perry, honest Harold. Turned out to be a poor imitation. It, it just tried to borrow too much from an established show. Well,
2: if you think about it, that that show, Ghostly, is one of those shows. I think the writing was important because, and also you had a great character actors. If you think about it, they changed out Marjorie several times. They changed out the lead several times. It still was successful. That means probably it was. They were fortunate to always have Walter Tetley play Levo. I don't know if they
7: ever had anybody
4: yeah, replace him. He was the glue. He was the glue. Yeah. Was the really?
7: And, and Judge Hooker was pretty much the same, right? Oh, the oh, whole round. Oh, lost, yeah. Ross yeah. Was same. And PV, did someone didn't they change PV at the end? Or he did? Did uh, the Graham play him the whole?
2: I think he did, but eventually he bowed out. He couldn't do it. He used to come to his house to record it. Actually, there were two different Floyd the Barber. Do you guys know who the first one was? One,
7: was one of them was Arthur Q. Bryan.
2: Right, but who 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 did Arthur Q. replace? I don't know.
4: Do not know.
2: Mill Blank. Really? Yes.
7: And, of course, Ken Christie was the chief. Right. And, but,
4: uh, but you think, yeah. I think
2: the we show, of the character actors, it had one of the finest cast available. And I think Great. the cast and the writing kept that thing afloat. So all the changes that went through the different personnel, it still survived.
7: I still find it just uncanny to me how similar Willard, how Perry and Willard Waterman sounded in the role.
4: Mm-hmm. I agree. When I first started listening to Old Time Radio, I was astounded. After having listened to The Great Gildersleeve in so many different uh, different times, you know, the 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 shows that were recorded at different times, I had no idea that there was that there were two different people playing that character. They were seamless. So I I don't think you can count the change over from Hal Perry to Willard Waterman as a show surviving that change because they simply, the the character stayed the same. It was just voiced by a different person. Um, With Marjorie, I think it was different. Yeah. They were clearly different people. But with Hal and Willard Waterman, I... there just was so little difference in the two of them that it was barely perceptible that they even changed actors.
7: Well, so so that's your opinion on Honest Herald. It it wouldn't make your worst list, but it wasn't one of your favorites.
4: certainly wouldn't be in the middle either.
7: (laughs) Okay, Okay, the other one he he thought he's pretty sure, and he ranks it as one of the worst sitcoms, but a lot of people might like the show, and he he was not a fan of Meet Millie.
4: I have to tell you, I never listened to the show. I listened to a part of it. It's one that um, Ron in Hawaii wanted, and I acquired some uh, for him. But I never listened to it. Have you ever heard it?
7: A couple of times. It was, you know, it was, it was a mazy type of character. You know, she was, you know, the, the secretary trying to get the boss's daughter was basically the show. Two actresses played her. Audrey Totter played her. And then uh, the, uh, then later the actress who played her on television, Elena Marugo, also played her on radio.
4: Well, I, I just cannot sit through a Maisie. Yeah. So if that's any indication of what would happen with Meet Millie, I don't know. I, I
2: think Is it because of the voice, the Ann Southern voice?
4: Southern, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a very hard voice for me to listen to. Um,
7: well, yeah. Well, you know, there's one collector that uh, the one collector I know uh, who hosts a radio show elsewhere. He was not a fan of Fred Allen, and part of it had to do with he, he was not a fan of Fred Allen's voice. And I realize Fred's talent, but I guess I guess the voice affects people in different ways.
4: I think Fred got robbed on that show. His his strong suit was extemporaneous ad-libbing, just off-the-cuff stuff. He was superb, and he had a great delivery, a wonderful voice to listen to, but the scripted show, I think, did not do him justice at all.
7: Like, like the Allen's Alley bits and all of that?
4: Everything was scripted, and it was, um, I don't know, the, the delivery was predictable. Yeah. But when he was cut loose on his own, he was fabulous. Did you ever come across him on any of the Information Please shows? Well, I
7: think I've always well played a couple of those.
4: Am I, I think I'm, I'm sending you the set of Information right. Please. That's the envelope is in my Get to the Post Office, which I couldn't do today, and I had every good intention of doing. But there are several with Fred Allen as a guest in there, and they are such great shows. He makes them great shows. And shows off what he could do when he was just let loose by himself. Yeah. I, I think
2: Fred Allen and Bob Hope, a lot of people of today don't put those on their top radio list because they don't get the humor. It's topical. Uh huh.
7: And it, it, like, a, like he's dealing, Bob Hope is dealing with news events Right. or things, political things that were going on at the time. And a lot of people who may not read history or follow those events, it probably just doesn't get to them.
4: Yeah, and I think Fred
2: Allen's the same
7: way.
4: Fred Allen had a lot of topical. You're right. Mm-hmm. His delivery was flat, though. When uh, uh, it it was it was like he was reading his lines, which of course is what he was doing.
7: Well, you know, and when you think what well, he had some good writers, you know, who wrote for him, and among them, one of his writers, you know, was Herman Wouk. In the 30s.
4: What? Well, that's that's top notch. Yeah. Well, and Fred did, did
2: most of his writing too in the early days. Um, and also that's probably why he, probably the stress, he didn't, you know, he stopped radio for about 18 months. Yeah,
7: he, he had was a ill, con- wasn't he? He
2: had a heart condition.
7: Like in 43, and right? 64?
2: And I imagine, as you, as you look at the title of his book, it's sort of a sad book, The Treadmill of Turbordia, and they basically thought... Harry worked in radio for 17 years, and what's the end result? It's basically for a comedian, for a com- com- it's just getting material out for the week, and then it's gone.
7: Well, I think his, da- his downfall on radio was sad, because when you think...
4: I've got it on with the sound off in the background, and the acting is superb. You can enjoy not even hearing what I'm looking at. The acting was so good. But, yes, I just read that that was the first filmed television sitcom in front of a live audience. Mm
7: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: The filming instead of the kinescope. Right. And it was the the first filmed comedy in front of a live audience, and... from from my ears the live audience makes all the difference in the world you can hear the difference tonight in one of the um, the fibber mcgee and molly show that i picked for tonight is one that was broadcast for the armed forces so it's got some interesting little things that are attached to it but ransom sherman is one of the actors in this and i love ransom sherman when he does sigmund wellington and he did one of his characteristic Sigmund Wellington words that hit some man in the audience right between the eyes, and he laughed—a laugh that he should have been paid for. He, uh, well,
7: I still enjoy the River McGees where you hear Molly actually laughing when the audience is.
4: Exactly, and it's when there's usually when there's a flub and she she gets just so worked up about it. But there's such a difference. In the sound that comes from a live audience, and this guy is a perfect punctuation point for it. I just I laughed at him more than I laughed at Ransom Sherman, and I love Ransom Sherman.
0: Yeah,
7: and getting to some of the other things you were talking about, you were talking about the shadow. I I guess you know as a kid you're impressed with it because it was a creative show, and and you, and you remember the opening and you remember the closing, but. Listening to them now as an adult, I mean, and again, I this may be stepping on holy ground, but listening to them, and as far as OTR is concerned, but as far as the stories themselves, they really weren't that spectacular. They have no substance.
2: As you think about it, for Radio Spirits, it's one of the top two moneymakers, the Shadow and Jack Benny, the one-two punch.
4: I swear it's because of the tagline in the front, the shadow knows. You know, there's something very spooky about Santa Claus knowing everything that you do.
7: Yeah, and, and you know, and, and listeners always enjoyed, and I have to admit, I did, as a child and teenager too, when the criminal at the end would be caught by the shadow.
0: Uh-huh.
7: I can't see you. I can't see you.
0: Yes. Where are
7: you? You know, the, And the criminal's desperate uh, fright when he knows he's apprehended, huh? when he knows he's off to the deaf house. Yep. Yeah. So. And, of course, the shadow laughing as, as the, but I have to agree with you, too, that the Orson Welles shows were very dark. He was good, but I think that the stories were, were dark compared to, say, the ones that Bill, Bill Johnstone was my personal favorite shadow.
4: Uh-huh, he would be my number two. Right. I like of course when
7: I think of Bill Johnstone, I think of the other series he did, The Lineup, which was a great police series. huh ...hard on the heels of Dragnet, and people often made comparisons between the two shows. Bill
2: Johnstone was a good, good character actor. You know, he moved to Hollywood and did a ton of lux and suspense.
7: And he did a supporting role on escape yeah. and suspenses and... And his,
2: uh, and his brother had a good career, too.
7: Yeah? Oh, his brother? Mm-hmm. Who was who?
2: Jack. Jack. Oh. The, 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 writer, director, the, the writer director of... director uh Johnny Dollar? Yes,
0: uh-huh.
7: Jack Johnstone yes. was Bill Johnstone's brother. Yes. Interesting. Yes. And Johnstone, the writer, he certainly—he's the one that reinvented Johnny Dollar with those 15-minute shows and all of that.
2: Absolutely. He—he he got start in the early days of Buck Rogers. That was the show that put him on the map.
7: And he did Superman, I yeah. think, and Correct. of course he did the Six Shooter. Correct. He produced it anyway. Yep. Yeah, and you know, it was—and as far as William Conrad goes. Uh, he's one of my favorites, at least in some of the roles. He certainly, he certainly, to me, defined Matt Dillon. I always thought he was the best Matt Dillon compared to the television version. And some of his supporting roles were good. Although I have a friend who liked the Tudor Owen escape version of Lineage versus the Ants more than the William Conrad version.
4: Hmm.
7: And Tudor Owen, you know, was a British actor. Uh huh. And if you hear the Tudor Owen version of Line Engine the answer, I guess there is a difference in, in the way the role was, was, was portrayed. Yeah. I know you said you were not a fan of the Tom Conway Sherlock Holmes shows, right? Oh, right. Oh, right. What did I do wrong? <laughs> did you like the, uh, the ones with, uh, the ones that Mutual did with, uh, let's see, who was his name? Alfred Shirley played, uh, Oh, yes. Watson and Stanley play. Someone named Stanley played Sherlock Holmes.
4: John Stanley.
7: One's for Cripper, the ones for Cripper Craft Crows.
4: I know. And they, and they would get it mixed up every once in a while. It would come out Cripper Craft. Um, Clipper Craft Clothes. Yeah. It was John Stanley and. Um, Shirley. Oh, Shirley. Uh, what was his first name? Alfred. 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 Alfred Shirley. Shirley, yes. I thought they were great. I loved those too.
2: You know, right in the 70s, I grew up. Because uh, if you remember, Jim, in the early days, we only had one ra- rap on a booth show.
7: Right, the one about the Bruce parking. Right,
2: I was doing one for many years until the late 80s, until Aldi showed up. Right. And where I grew up with Sir John Goodgear and Sir Ralph Richardson, the uh the They BBC. were pretty
0: good. They were.
2: And because I, 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 of the first exposure I had, uh, I have a soft spot to that.
7: I do agree with you. It's, it's disappointing that every OTR compilation that you get, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean yours, Patricia, but I mean like commercial OTR compilations, it seems like every one includes the thing on the Fulber board. I'm not saying that it was a bad script, but if you're going to promote Quiet, Please, you'd think you would promote, they could find what, of course, for years that was the only episode available, I think, when it
0: first
4: really? came out. I didn't know that. I did not know that. No, there, there are many others that are far superior to the formal board, but there are so many sub-stories going on in the forble board that it's a, a creative, a, a good piece of creative work.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, it was good, don't get me wrong, but it just seems to be in every compilation.
2: And I think it was Don asking that discovered It went back to, uh, um, the widow's house to help pick him up, uh, Ernest Chapel's Widow had the collection. Ernest Chappell's so fond of the series, but a lot of the, the recordings weren't always the best. That's part of the reason why we don't have in great sound.
7: Well, and, I, and again, I think we may be mentioned this before, year, months ago, uh, there's a couple of shows that I always thought, another series, which one can debate, where the opening is far better remembered than the stories, was Grand Central Station. Grand Central <laughs> Station. I mean, that opening is so memorable. And that's
2: another Hyman Brown production. So you I, think Hy- Hyman Brown had always good openings, you should think about it, from the Inter-Sanctum to Grand Central State to the CBF Mystery Theater. He, he he spent a lot of time making sure that he was happy with the opening. There's no doubt about that. I remember
7: one of your your, your the talk show hosts that many of us used to listen to in L.A. occasionally, Ira Fastel pointed out one night, though, that one historical uh, myth... And that was about Grand Central Station steam trains never ran through Grand Central Station
4: <laughs> we talked about that one yeah. night yeah
7: it was diesel trains mm-hmm. but of course you couldn't very do you couldn't do good sound effects with a diesel train
4: right I went back and I, I tried to find some information about that and this is from memory I'll have to go back and look at it again but I re- I believe what I read was that for a couple of um, trips, for a couple of trips through Grand Central Station. In the very, very beginning, they actually did have a couple of steam engines come through.
7: Hmm. Well, I just did but that's what I heard from Ira anyway. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not true, but...
4: Jim, you know everything on the Internet is true.
7: <laughs> oh, yes, yes. yes. But, the, but the stories, although I will admit the Christmas story was a great one. We all agree there, I think, don't you?
4: Tell me about the Christmas story.
7: The Christmas story on Grand Central Station.
4: Tell me about it.
7: was a good one.
4: Uh, I mean, I don't remember it. Oh, that's the
7: one about the ambulance driver. Oh. Uh, yes, and he meets Mr. Mason.
4: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, yes. And Mr. Mason's wife, yes.
7: Yes. I don't that, that was a good story, I thought.
4: You know, a lot of people pick that one as a really top-notch must-play at Christmas time. And... I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, I can tell you because I thought it was so hokey, and it just dragged on and on and on, and you knew what was coming, and you knew what had happened, and it just didn't hold my interest.
7: Let me ask you, does it help in, in your evaluation of programs? Does being a writer help a lot in evaluating whether a story is good or not? Because, you know, you, you probably read a lot of things in order to write about things. You. you read a lot and you listen a lot. Does, does being a writer help a lot in determining whether you think a story is good or not?
4: No, it hurts a lot. It hurts a lot? It hurts a lot because I, um, I'm i hypersensitive to word usage and I'm hypersensitive to um, correct grammar, you know, and it, it can actually wreck a good story for me.
7: And is a lot of times listening to radio drama difficult in the sense of, gra- of the grammar used sometimes by characters?
4: Um, not, uh, No, no, oh, no, because the the grammar in radio is far far superior to what I get on television. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so uh, what well for radio, Patricia? Mm-hmm. What show had would use it that drives you nuts?
4: That drives me nuts.
2: Uh huh. That you would that you, that you would just turn off.
4: Oh gosh, I wish you had asked me about. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Let me see.
7: I'll have you two. You two go ahead and talk, and I'll, I'll have to think about that for okay. a second. Well, okay. me. also, the other challenge, like when you when you hear an adaptation of a book, you know, huh? let's say on a show like the NBC University Theater or Studio One or some of the or the Mercury Theater even or some of those shows that truly took great literature and tried to adapt them. Have you generally been happy with the radio adaptations of these stories?
4: Generally, yes, because I'm mindful of the restrictions. I mean, I heard heard Moby Dick in 30 minutes. Hello.
7: Yeah, that's kind of hard to do.
4: I know, but they did a good job. Mm Mm-hmm. Really super high points and captured the essence of the book or of the novel, and they did a great job in 30 minutes. I mean, they did a good job. If that's all they had to work with, they did a fabulous
7: job. Well, I know for movie buffs, the real challenge for movie buffs is those that hear, they've seen the original movies and they see the Lux Radio Theater and Screen Guild and Screen Directors versions of movies. It it is a very unenviable task to adapt a movie into an hour or especially a 30-minute format.
4: No, oh, I have no trouble making that kind of a transition. I guess um, my brain tells me it's a different medium, and therefore you have to listen to it differently.
2: And also because I haven't seen a lot of the original movies first, I've heard the radio stuff first. I don't. I think a lot of the stories are very good. Maybe because I didn't see the movie before mm. it's over. I, mm-hmm. Occasionally, I, I listened to the radio and I saw the movie later. Mm-hmm. So.
7: I think with today's movies, you'd have a big problem if there were a Lux Radio Theater today or something like that. Well, one I don't
2: know. I, I don't know. Godfather 3 would have worked because the last 45 minutes, they don't talk. So it would right. have been perfect in radio. <laughs> well,
7: I mean, like, the thing I mean is with today's movies, <laughs> one of the problems is. So many of them are geared on special effects rather than story.
4: Right. Exactly. I just mentioned, I don't know if you were still with us or you were with us, when I mentioned that I'm looking at the I Love Lucy series with the sound
7: off. Right.
4: Acting is superb. You can tell what's happening (coughs) without the special effects. When you add the dialogue, of course you know what's going on. But if I turned off the sound, which I have done, I turned off the sound in movies or even week-to-week series shows, it's all special effects. You have no idea what's going on.
7: Well, I'm total. you know, a lot of today's movies, you know, like if they're, to me, a courtroom drama or something like that is easy to follow because that, that is a lot of dialogue. Hmm? Uh, I think, though, I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm sure in time I'm going to see the, uh, DVD of Good Night and Good Luck, the one about Murrow, mm-hmm. which I've been told was a great movie.
4: I did not see it. I'm not a movie person, so I'm guilty in that.
7: Yeah. Um, that was the one about when Murrow uh, fought McCarthy. It was a movie about that. I mean, George Clooney was in it as Fred Friendly a few years ago.
4: I heard that it was very,
7: very good. But, um, of course, that no. whole era interests me. Like, I really liked the movie Quiz Show that came out a number of years ago dealing with the quiz show scandals.
4: Hmm.
7: You would probably like that one.
4: I think I would like that
7: one. Yeah, it delves with like the fixing of 21.
4: Uh Uh-huh, scandals are good.
7: Yeah. Well, you know, when you think, I still am amazed they got away with that as long as they did, when you think about it. And and, you know, at the time, a lot of people, you know, truly believed these people were intellectual giants that could answer these questions.
4: Yeah. Well.
2: I had a friend who was a producer of many game shows in the 1950s. And I hate to break any bubbles, but he said basically the sponsors told the producers every Tuesday who they wanted to win.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, my friend was called in my New York grand jury at the time, and they asked him, the, the prosecutor asked him how many people he helped. And... He didn't say anything and the judge said, uh, sir, I will put you in contempt. Of course you don't answer the the response. And my friend p- spoke up and said, well, I'm just calculating how many shows I produce, how many people on it in the air, and I think I helped, we helped about 9,000 people. We only helped, we did not help three because they didn't need our help. And that's generally how a lot of those TV game shows were running the 50s. They yeah. basically helped people get ready for the show.
4: mm mm-hmm. huh and they picked the ones who would be most
7: appealing. Right. Y- right them The best TV presence, I suppose.
2: And also, basically, the show made product. for a member of the $64 question. He was told, it made Redline. Right. It just made it. Mm-hmm. And the so, 21 made
7: Geritol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, those, and, I, and I'm told that on one of them, the only reason it was exposed, one of the daytime quiz shows called Dotto, Apparently, the answers fell out of somebody's pocket on the floor of the studio, and somebody saw the paper.
4: Well, that's
7: interesting. Uh, I, at least that's a story I heard. I don't know if that's an urban legend or...
4: What famous radio,
2: later radio psychiatrist made her made her, uh, money? Joyce Brothers.
4: That's right. She made she made quite a career of...
7: Um she was a boxing expert, right? Joyce Brothers yeah. was, anyway. That's what she did.
4: Yep. Yeah. She was... She's Quite a lady. She's doing advertising now for, I think, one of the emergency call systems. Yeah. For older people. mm mm-hmm. Designs for, for disabled and older people. And,
7: and getting back to Lights Out, we were talking about Lights Out earlier. Um, I think the memory of it, like, I think one reason the show is probably remembered, certainly the opening. I think Bill Cosby's routine about hearing it as a boy and that chicken heart thing, kind of helped enhance that show's reputation with a lot of people. Well, that's an interesting thought. Because um, no actual, I mean, it, I know there's a partial recreation on one of our Trobler's albums, but I don't think an actual complete 30-minute story has been found of that yet, to my knowledge. But the Bill Cosby certainly remembered it.
4: Yeah.
7: And you get, you get things like that. My mother, by the way, she, when she was a teenager in the 30s, she listened to The Witch's Tale, and she said she and her cousin used to sit in their bedroom at night with the lights out and listening to The Witch's Tale, and it was. And she said the shivers just ran up her spine. And I guess for the 30s, I suppose it was scary.
4: Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we touched on earlier. That as a front runner, as a first timer, and listening to it in the dark, sure.
7: I mean, it wasn't, it didn't match, like, it's kind of like, another, I'll give you an example of that, too. My, I played a tape once. My, my mom wanted some radio to hear one night. Go, we're going in through the box looking for tapes for something for her to listen to. And we ran across the 1930s police show called Police Headquarters.
0: Hmm?
7: A syndicated show.
0: Uh-huh.
7: About 1934. That's what she listened to that thing and just... It just grossed her. She said, this is awful stuff. (laughs) I mean, it it wasn't up to Dragnet or Lineup or Gangbusters or any of those. And of course, the thing about police headquarters that bugged her the most, just like one of your other callers, it may have been Kurt was talking earlier, the long music bridge on police headquarters before the story started, Mm -hmm. which was, of course, common in the 30s. And that's another thing I encountered when I made the cinnamon bear for one of my, my, my former uh, landlord's daughter, who was about seven or eight, we made her a copy of The Cinnamon Beer to listen to. She hated the music. That, that sort of hated her liking the story were those long music bridges, and you know, before the story began. Yeah,
4: that's where the local advertising got. Guy- right,
7: and I tried to explain that to her, why they put that music in, and sometimes the explanation makes it more complicated than <laughs> what she said, well, why isn't there a commercial then? And I said, and I, it was hard to explain to her about syndication and local uh, announcers reading it. And these were taken, in other words, sometimes the explanation is harder than just the facts yeah. to a child.
4: Um, you know, the, the, the simplest way to do it is that it, everybody was allowed to put in their own advertising in different markets. And this is the way they got the
7: show. Right. Well, you know, and you know, my, I'm making a, we're, we're sending a copy to a friend of mine who is going to be eight years old this She's eight years old this year, and we're hoping to send her the cinnamon bear for Christmas. And I'm debating, should I try to make a copy and just cut out the music or just send, a, send her the copy on CDs? Just with, just say this the way it originally sounded and just leave it at that.
4: This is the way it, my vote is, this is the way it originally sounded and just leave it like that. Because... So many of the shows that we get, I feel robbed, and I know other people do as well, when the openings are cut, when the commercials are cut, there are just pieces snipped out all over the place, and what you wind up with is not the original show.
7: That bothers me. That's what I found with a lot of your internet, or a lot of your MP3s you get from various internet sources. Uh, a lot of times they are cut short. Sometimes the openings are cut short. You yeah. you really have to be select And some sites are better than others. I'm happy if all of yours, by the way, Patricia, very much. But many sites don't do a good job of, of, of putting the shows together. They're out of order. or they're What you'll get a lot of times, you'll get shows that are maybe repeated twice mm-hmm. on some MP3 copies.
4: Yeah, I picked that up in a lot of series where uh, they'll, they'll be given a different name. Yeah. And it happens to be the whim of the person who's copying. Walden and I talk about this occasionally where a person will look at a show and say, well, that's a dumb title and change it. Yeah. It might've been a dumb title, but it's the one that was on the
7: show. My biggest challenge on that is on Gunsmoke. The very first episode is of course, Billy the Kid but you hate to kind of say Billy the Kid for one who's never heard the show because that gives the whole plot away. Yes. And I tell you, the worst one for that is Mr. President. So many catalogs list the stories by the name of the president, which of course defeats the whole purpose of the show. Uh So I've often decided when I do my Mr. Presidents for people is maybe try to make up my own title for like, say the first one had to do with a coal strike and maybe I could call it something like action in a coal strike or, uh, saving us see, or something like maybe, um, uh, uh, the second, the second one had to do with a president needing surgery, the secret illness or something like that. Cause I don't want to give the titles because that defeats the show, but there's no, I don't think there's really been a good Mr. President log with the actual, script titles, because I'm sure the script titles didn't have the president's name.
4: I don't know. Walden, are you still there, or are you out making a sandwich? I
7: am here. I'm all ears. Do you feel that way, Walden, about titling Mr. President? I,
4: you know, I'm able
2: to title them that way and get engrossing the story um, that I, I, don't. it doesn't bother me.
4: My preference is to know ahead of time who they're talking about, otherwise it doesn't mean a thing to me. Mm-hmm.
7: Even if even if even if listeners were asked to try to guess and all of that on the show,
4: I yeah. hate guessing games.
7: I well, uh, Edward Arnold did say once in an interview, basically they're all Edward Arnold. He said that in an interview <laughs> once.
4: They are all Edward Arnold, and I, I just ask me if I like Mr. President. Do you like it? I hate that
7: show. You really do?
4: I really hate that show, and it would be so much nicer for me, and I would like it. I truly would like the show if I knew ahead of time who they were talking about. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything John, to me. John,
2: I guess, Patricia, you should look at the log and see, see the name of the president, and that way you can enjoy the show.
4: I would enjoy the show if I wanted to take the trouble to do that.
7: So, <laughs> but as the stories themselves, do you find the stories pretty good generally, or is it just the performance, or is it just not knowing who the president is, basically?
4: Knowing and, and this this great guessing game. Well, let me give you another hint. Well, let me give you another hint. Well, maybe you'll know if I tell you this. I don't care.
7: Tell
4: me. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it. another
7: one that you said you were not a fan of. What was this? Was it some show about great Americans? The lives of great Americans?
4: Oh gosh, yes. Let me let me see what that one is. Do not go away. I have to get to this one Um, you know, from Harwood, too. Some really awful shows, and it was in the single shows, and it was... Uh, Don't Go Away. Okay. Not The Adventures of Marco Polo, although it was close. Curtain of Time, Haunted, Origin of Superstition, Pineapple Tales. Oh, maybe it was one of these. Black Flame, Blair of the Mounties, Danger, Rancho, Green Valley. Oh, for goodness sakes, don't go away. I know it's here. <laughs> and? Oh, The Lives of Great Men.
7: Oh, right, The Lives of Great Men, okay.
4: Yes. I mean, do you know who Theodoric the Great is?
7: Uh, was it maybe a king or a...
4: I don't know. I, mean, I picked the other two because I did know who they were, Francis of Assisi.
7: Right, famous St. Francis, right. Uh, and Dante. Yeah.
4: Um, but they, they picked, and the shows themselves are as pompous as the names that they picked. <laughs>
7: okay. Well, I'm t- Ron, my friend, the one I was telling you about, says one show he's really come across that he's really learned to like I think the show is called Inheritance, sponsored by the American Legion on NBC in 54.
4: Don't know that one.
7: I think it's called Inheritance.
4: I don't know that one. I haven't well,
7: you said it's very good. And, and I know there's one that some collectors have called American Adventure that's supposed to be very good oh. on American history. And I, Now, I like... Do, do you like Avocade of America? Walden and I do.
4: I think it's very well done.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm, I'm not really too big on dramatic productions. It's just, you know, my, my ears are happier with a comedy or a mystery or, you know, it's just my ears. I think they're, they're exceptionally well done. I think it's a fabulous show.
7: Did you like, now, did you like You Are There?
4: That one is okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I don't want to tell you why. <laughs> It's okay because it dramatizes or tries to make entertaining an historic sound, you know, an historic event. And I, I'm kind of a history buff and I would just prefer to have a pure historic event.
7: Now, did you ever hear the series, and there was only 13 of them, Stroke of Fate? This had to do with an alternate view of history. NBC ran it for 13 weeks in the fall of 53. Huh? Looked it up, I think it's one you would really enjoy. One of the first script was what, would have hap- what might have happened if Robert E. Lee had accepted Lincoln's offer and fought for the Union Army. And it was a drama of what they, these historians think might have happened.
4: I think I would like that one.
7: And it was also one about what if, uh, what if, what if, uh, what if, Alexander Hamilton had killed Aaron Burr. And what if Marie and Quinet had escaped the guillotine was one of them. There was one if what if France had used force against Hitler in 1936. There was one about what if we had not purchased Alaska from Russia. There were 13 of them.
4: I like what if, it's one of the questions that a good fiction writer balances life on, what if?
7: Right, well this series, I think you would really enjoy, and there's only 13 of them, they're about 25 minutes a piece. A good New York cast was in them, people like Alexander Scorby and Louis Van Rooten, and um, people of that ilk. you know, all the top, many of the top New York actors. And an eminent historian would speak at the end of the show about the show and its premise. And I think you would really enjoy it. Again, it's called Stroke of Fate.
4: Sounds like a good one.
7: It was, I recommend it 100%. And if if you're a history buff, you know, you you do often wonder about these things, if this or that event had had been altered, how different America's history or world history might have been. But uh, it's one you'd enjoy. Okay. Well, anyway, I want to wish you both a good evening.
2: All right, Jim. Thanks for calling.
7: I want to keep up the good work. And by the way, I'm really enjoying that was, again, that was a great interview with Dusty last week. Patricia, by the way, I didn't get a chance to tell you. I told Walden you did a great interview with Dusty last week.
4: He was great. Thank you so much.
7: I know that must have been a fun interview to do for you. It was. It was. Well, it was, and you did a wonderful job. And, and, uh, Keep up the good work.
2: We'll talk to you soon, Jim. Okay. Take care. All right. I need to stretch for a minute, Patricia. I agree. Okay. I mean so let me uh we're gonna put on a we s we're gonna put on a famous movie song. Maybe the people may like to know. Patricia. Well, how long Patricia? Five minutes, ten minutes? What do you think we need?
4: Ten minutes is great.
2: Okay. So uh, you want me to hang up on you and call you back? Yeah, would you do that? Okay. And Patricia and I will take a break. We'll be back in 10 minutes, everybody.
1: sunshine, listen you, never tell me dreams come true, just try it and I'll start a riot Beatrice Fairfax, don't you dare ever tell me he will care I'm certain it's the final curtain, I I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyannas Who tell you fate supplies a mate It's all Garnettas stars above, but not for me, with love to lead the way, I found more skies of gray, than any Russian player. That way, high ho, alas, and also like a day, oh. He, said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. I held my breath. I couldn't speak. For me Though no, I live at 5135 Kensington Avenue And he lives at 5133 How can I ignore the born next door? I love him more Doesn't try to please me, doesn't even tease me And he never sees me glance his way And though I'm heart sore, the boy next door Affection for me won't display Adore him, so I can't ignore him the boy. Next door
2: I know we are. You're positive? Well, if we're down and off the internet, only you and I we talking to each other, and that's fine with me.
4: We're going to have a grand time. Uh, However, people yeah. are calling in, so they must be listening.
2: Or else they just know the number by heart, and they figure we're just still by the phone on Saturday nights. That's
4: a thought. Yeah, that
2: could be the truth.
4: That's a thought. The eagle has not landed. Right way. Anyway. Oh, it's still lost. It's still flying with the geese, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I checked today. You did double. I did. I did check. The wow. eagle has not landed. Wow. Wow. Or our family. Maybe. Maybe it went to
2: Kentucky Fried Chicken instead.
4: Oh my! Not my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Oh, well then. It'll
2: come, it'll it'll arrive in a, in a, in a, in a, in
0: a a bucket. Oh,
4: no. No. Now, this, Uh -uh. this deserves an explanation. Ralph has been talking, or had been talking, about getting some chicks and raising chickens. And... We agreed. He said, would it be okay if we named one Walden and one Patricia? And that was wonderful, but the chickies never came about. So he's fixing that. <laughs> um, and my 6 hasn't arrived yet. Walden's has arrived. And you're not going to... Uh-oh. Is this the chicken factory? <laughs> not the chicken coop. Hello there.
11: You're on here. What's,
4: what's going on with all this chicken talk? Ah, it hit the chicken hotline. This is, this is the chicken coop. Oh, good.
10: So, Wilbur, well, you got your chicken.
2: I got my chicken. And okay. I want to let you know, Ralph, I wrote about you and Tony and emailed to Patricia this week. Oh, you did? I did. Really? In fact, see, my mom is from a small town in Nebraska. Okay. Oh, yeah. And... The, they're near a chicken factory, uh-huh. and every summer for the last 31 years, my mom's small town of Fort they have chicken chicken show, Chicken Day. Oh, my. And, if you, and if you go to chickenshow.com, you can see all the wonderful events. And I thought I wrote to Patricia. you think Tony and Ralph will make a trip back there someday to the chicken show? She, is it chickenshow.com?
10: Yep, chickenshow.com. I got to
4: look at that tomorrow. <laughs> Worth it tonight, Ralph. If you're near a computer, <laughs> I'm pulling it up now. It's it's looking for the address.
2: And in uh, fact, it got so popular, it got a big boost because Johnny Carson used to have the winner of the chicken chicken cooking contest on on the Tonight Show every year.
10: Oh, I remember and, something
2: uh, about. Yeah, because Johnny used to live a couple miles away from the town, so they had an end to get in and get the guy in on the show. And I've been there.
0: You know,
10: it's funny, he used to talk about old Dr. Sweeting. There weren't any doctors in the family, but I, I always thought that was the only other time I'd heard the name.
4: Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some contests at the chicken show? Yeah. Uh, there's,
10: there's well, uh, I'm not good at, at chicken plucking, but.
4: Uh, well, there's. What else they have? There's the normal Oh, there's the cutest chicklet contest. I don't know how to enter that though. I think I'm a pretty cute chicklet. <laughs> right, they've got the normal chicken cooking contest. Turn any kind of chicken or chicken dish must be cooked on site. It says Ah. more details in entry form. Uh, You know what? I don't think I want to eat. No, I'll cross that one off the list. Um, They
10: have an adorable chicken contest?
4: No, they've got the cutest chicklet.
10: The most adorable chicken?
4: No no adorable, just the cutest.
10: Uh, (laughs) Ah. I think adorable ought to be in there.
4: Well, they've got the best chicken legs. Ah, that's nice. these These are people they're going to have. It says stretch those bird legs, so I guess women are going to be walking across, the, maybe it's, it's co-ed, I, I would guess it's co-ed, best chicken legs, that's all it says, best chicken hat, the national cluck off, that's probably what was on Johnny Carson, is that possible?
2: Yeah, I was telling Johnny, she used to have the winner every year on a show. The clucker. Mm-hmm, the clucker. Uh,
4: yeah, well, they, they look like some pretty serious people. <laughs> 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 there's, there's a guy bending over with his wings up. <laughs> um, and let's see what else. Uh, best chicken hat. This is very good. Um, the rubber chicken chuck. There you go, Ralph. this rubber chicken. Rubber chicken chuck. This is not as good
10: well, as. How far you can throw
4: this? I guess so. I'm
10: uh-huh. throw it. Yep.
4: It says, let's see how far you can chuck your chicken across the barnyard. It doesn't say anything about up oh, chuck your chicken. It's <laughs> your chicken. Um, and the egg toss, whichever team goes the furthest distance without breaking an egg wins.
10: Oh, boy. This, this sentence. Did you
4: ever. I cleaned this. It's, it's
10: a different subject, but did you ever see the pumpkin chunking contest on TV? No. These guys. They have it on every year. They have a championship somewhere. And, and they have these, they have catapults and, and they have air powered guns with, really? I don't know, like 50 feet long oh. to see who can shoot a pumpkin in the foot. <laughs> and they call it pumpkin chunking.
4: Pumpkin chucking.
10: Or chunking. Chunking. C H U N K I N, I think it is. Chunking.
4: That's funny. Well, they've got an egg drop and catch competition here. Yeah. Did you say that you were off the internet tonight? No, I'm on the internet.
2: We were just joshing around, so we should be up.
4: Oh, because he's coming in on my uh, my Wi-Fi
10: real good. Okay, good.
4: We're fine. We were we were just joshing, and Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, Walden said we're back, and I said, "Are you sure?" And he said, "Well, if we're not, we're talking to ourselves." (laughs) And but we are but we aren't. So, would you, like to jo- would you like to join in the egg drop and catch contest?
10: Yeah, that sounds like a winner. <laughs> I- I'd probably be very good at dropping it.
4: This is one of the, <laughs> it's, it's like the hammer that you hit and, and try to ring the bell at yeah. the-
2: Carnival.
10: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: This is the other way- Sure, I'd go for that. But this is the other way around. They've got a cherry picker. And they're dropping eggs from the cherry picker. And you have to catch the eggs without breaking it.
10: I got it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's not easy.
4: I'll pass. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be a great spectator here. Well, I've been there, especially
2: the chicken flying contest, when you actually they, you have your chicken and you encourage them to fly.
4: Yeah, it
10: says
9: a lot. Oh, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they can fly a little bit, mm-hmm. not very far.
4: You can <laughs> All right, now, this is really easy to participate in. You can fly your own chicken or rent one. Uh-huh.
10: <laughs> oh,
4: yes. Rent a chick. chicken.
10: Rent a chicken service.
4: <laughs>
10: well, I think I'd bring my own chicken.
4: Yeah, you, yeah, the, the cutest, you, you have to bring the cutest chicklet. Tony would be your cutest chicklet.
2: <clears throat> my mom won first place in the chicken machine contest chicken singing? Uh huh. How do you chicken sing? Well... <laughs> it was a little bit rigged. She and her girlfriend thought it would be great... Especially her girlfriend thought it would be great to sing. So they're going to sing Rock Around the Clock. You know, and sing the word the chicken... You know, the chicken on Rock uh, Around the Clock. Like... Uh huh. Uh huh. And... Her friend Jane... Gets scared of lightning. And so... Poor mom, they were on stage, and they had a lightning storm, and so basically mom had a solo. But, uh, this was their class reunion, reunion, and the, the judges were basically from their class, so they still gave them first place anyway.
4: Well, that was very sweet. Yes. Yeah, lightning, that's a bad
10: one. My mother used to go in the closet, I swear to god. She hated lightning.
2: Scary, yeah
4: it's, it's rough stuff. Yeah. It's rough stuff. Did you know that Florida is the lightning capital of the world? Well, I do know when when we
10: visited Fort Myers uh, years ago, we were there for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and we had a thunderstorm every day. But uh, where where we were, we had to cross over a bridge to get into downtown Fort Myers. Uh
0: huh.
10: And it would be thunder and lightning on one side of the bridge, and not on the other. And we thought that.
4: I know, it's really peculiar. You're in, in drought conditions when your neighbor is getting rain and you're not. It's pretty pretty frustrating.
10: Yeah, my, my wife's sister lives in the Tampa area. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess there's not much high ground in, in Florida. It's all kind of, well, they live on a little bit of a hill. Yeah. And they get less rain than all the people around them. It's so it's just strange.
4: Isn't that interesting? Well, well, we are officially the lightning capital of the world. Florida has more lightning strikes every year than any other place in the world.
10: Oh, well, that's marvelous you can have it yep. we don't get much here but we're frightened of that dry dry lightning no rain
4: yeah oh gosh you know it'll we're, it'll set the world on fire so what's yeah that? we're in a really
10: forested area and we've had some doozies
2: yeah. so lightning you mean lightning strike without rain right it just comes down. yeah
10: okay a lot
4: of fires wow even the stuff that comes with rain if it's dry the rain isn't enough to wet down and prevent the fire, so you'll get fire and rain at the same time. I
2: wonder how many TV sets have been blown out in Florida every year by lightning storm.
4: Mine? I I've, I've lost one.
2: I remember you did.
4: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, did. I think
10: one uh, affected my, my computer one time through the phone circuit. Huh. And uh, the modem or whatever it was had to be replaced.
4: Yeah. Indeed. So what's going on out in your neck of the woods this week, sir, now that we've gotten the chicken flying contest over and done with?
10: Well, nothing. We've been um, going out on a boat doing a little fishing and uh, trying to stay out of trouble, but it's not easy.
2: Have you caught anything this week?
10: Uh, Tony caught a bass about three or four days ago. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a little guy. We let him go. We let most of our fish go. But uh, if they're hooked way down deep inside and you can't get the hook out, then we then we do keep them. But. Uh,
2: are there places in town that would buy the fish and cook them, or you pretty much everything you catch you get you're responsible for?
10: Yeah, uh, I I don't think you're allowed to sell wild fish
2: that
0: is okay. caught. Okay.
10: Uh, it's probably, I think it's pretty firm that, you, you know, it's your own consumption.
4: hmm hmm That sounds fair. Poor fish. I always feel sorry for the fish.
10: Yeah, well, I, uh, well, I have a tough time really feeling sorry for them, but uh, I do let them go just out of the—just because I'm a good guy, you
4: know? The goodness of <laughs> your heart, yes, yes. And you're positive I'm not going to get a flock of geese, right?
10: No, no, he, 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 um, he uh, peeled off out of the flock of geese, and he returned to his home nest.
4: Oh, he did? And he's
10: going to recuperate there for a couple of days, and then he's going to go back to Florida. Okay. <laughs> I told you what happened. I sent him to the wrong apartment number. Dad, Funny. you should never let me near a, a computer because I, I goof up all the time.
4: Oh, not a goof. It just um, makes me wait longer, that's all.
10: Right, and, and you know, you can always talk to uh, Walden's mom because she knows how to take care of them things. <laughs> I'm sure the one that he has is in very good hands.
11: He is.
2: I, I brought it out tonight. My mom saw the label and said, What's what the story about the chicken? So I had to talk about you out tonight for dinner. You're my dinner topic. So I brought out the chicken and everything.
4: Oh, my goodness. You know? And what did your mom say?
0: What's up
2: with the chicken? Well, she she she's not cute. She, especially when I told her that I, I was gonna Patricia, we're gonna talk about this Wayne chicken show down in uh, Wayne, Nebraska tonight, uh, so. Ch- Wayne, Nebraska. I gotta look that up tomorrow. Wayne, Nebraska. Four thousand two hundred people. Well,
4: they're she, sure making a big flap over this, <laughs> <laughs> Patricia. Oh yeah, they
2: have a parade and everything. My my uncle is a retired four star general, and they asked him to be the grand marshal. Huh? And he was so relieved when he realized he didn't have to carry a rubber chicken through the parade. Oh,
4: bless him. <laughs> where, where would he pin that on his
0: shoulder, Steve?
2: <laughs> but, you know they, they get, you know, they go ahead and have the, the old-fashioned get the fire trucks out and uh-huh. get, the, uh, get the trucks out at the different high school classes. All the high school classes. First through, no, kindergarten, yeah, first grade through 12th was all, all in the same building in Wayne, uh-huh. and oh, really? yeah, all to, all the grades were in one building, and uh, of course the teachers they've been there for 30 years. They basically had generation after generations of family, and so it was just a big family get together. So they always have the high school reunions there, and uh, around the second shows. So it's a big it's a big deal in Wayne, well, uh, Nebraska. I think I told
10: you folks once that in in this little town where we live. The, uh, they had a one-room schoolhouse, which is now a library and museum.
0: Yeah. You sent me some.
10: In. And they had all the grades in the same little building. And That's there's still a couple of guys around that actually graduated from the from the old schoolhouse.
2: My my mom my my mom said it's nothing like growing up in a small town because generally you know, there was fifty-seven in the class, and generally you know here fifty-five years later or so. They get close to, in mid the mid to high 40s, kids come back to attend the high school reunion. Still oh pretty, yeah. Still we, pretty
10: went to, uh, we went back to New York to Tony's 50th mm-hmm. high school reunion. And we were just walking down the street and her, she, she met this woman walking down the street. And they recognized each other from 50 years ago. Wow. They were in the same class. And I, I don't think I would recognize anybody from that, that far back. <laughs>
4: That's amazing. That is amazing.
0: That that really is.
4: is. I know you. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting because that's exactly what our Fibber McGee and Molly show is about tonight. Somebody meeting on the street and saying, I know you. Oh, really?
2: (laughs) I
10: I was listening to them last night. They had a a good one. McGee was trying to make cloth out of paper.
4: Oh, gosh, yes. Wasn't that a great show?
10: I I, I got a kick out of it.
4: Too much fun. Are you in the market for a question? Sure. I'm I'm, I'm game. I'll try. All right. You sure you're up to this now? I I, I hope so.
11: Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
10: I'm getting excited now, yes.
4: (laughs) He's getting warmed up. All right. What role did Eddie Anderson have on the Jack Benny show?
10: Well,
4: he was Rochester. That's right! Very excellently good. Now, what
2: was Rochester's full name? Oh... That's a toughie. Oh, gosh. Yeah, now that I don't know. Okay, we can leave that out for the audience. What was Rochester's full name? Oh, gee, and I knew it. And, when, when, when Eddie Anderson first came on the show, what was the name he went by at the beginning?
4: He meaning Eddie Anderson or Rochester?
2: Eddie Anderson. When he first made his first appearance on the Jack Benny show, Uh what was the name of his character? Oh,
4: his
10: character. Yeah. Uh, You're way ahead of me,
2: Walter. That's okay. That's okay. I got that one. Just Ralph. You know, you know, he did... uh, I I always thought it was funny. Jack Benny put in his his, his book, that John Benny put, that he received a letter from somebody who thought... You are such a mean person, Jack Benny, for having Rochester, not taking care of him, paying his right wages. And Jack wrote back, you know, Mr. Andy Andy Anderson made such and such a salary. He has a 30-room house, a servants, and (laughs) and he's got six racehorses and one just went to the Kentucky Derby. I think he's doing just fine. Wow. You
10: know.
4: Uh, you know, you know it, he
10: used to get as as many laughs as Benny did when he was on the program.
4: Oh, Lordy! Yeah. Everybody
10: loved
2: Roger. Oh, yeah.
4: At at least. You know. I
2: think he probably after he was probably the most popular character on the on the show. I think everybody waited to hear.
4: He he was the Leroy. Yes. That show. Yes. I agree.
2: Jack Benny would not have been the same without having no. Rochester in that voice.
4: But you know, in the... Oh, the, the voice was
2: fantastic.
0: Oh.
4: The voice was great. The woman who wrote in was actually paying an extraordinary compliment, although it came in a in an odd wrapper. Mm-hmm. that Jack Benny and the show characters were so convincing that she thought they were real.
2: That's true. Uh. That's true. But you know, it used to drive Jack Benny nuts because... Andy, Rochester was always late to everything. Late to rehearsal, late to train trips, late to everything.
10: (laughs) In true life? Yes.
2: And so one time,
0: Uh they
2: were going to take a train from California to New York. And Jack was not too happy because they had to pull out of L.A. And Rochester was not on the train. Oh my. And he said, you know, guys, he was telling me, about, you know, I'm going to take care of this. I'm definitely going to take care of this. Well, the next town, they pulled it in San Bernardino. And for the audience, that's about an hour outside. Guess who was sitting out there on the train deck with uh-huh. boxes and boxes of barbecue ribs. And really? so they had to open up the, uh, the dining room and Rochester brought all the ribs and everything in and the cast and the riders were eating this rib and uh, one of the riders said, Jack, you know? It's a little hard to be mad at a guy who, when you're eating his food.
10: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, I wonder if Rochester planned it just to... Uh, Probably did. A reaction.
2: Probably did.
10: Yeah, it sounds like it. Because <laughs> he was pretty well prepared.
2: And actually, I don't know if more people know he did get lost at sea one time. Uh, Rochester in, in the late forty got lost at sea, and they didn't know he was going to be found. And he was found the day before the broadcast, and so the writers actually wrote a whole uh, situation just for Rochester being discovered at sea for the broadcast the next day.
4: Well, then, what were the circumstances that he was lost at sea?
2: He he went out fishing, and got and got caught, and so the boat went out near Catalina, and they couldn't find him for several days.
10: Wow. Yeah, it's a lot.
2: You go out towards Catalina. That's a lot of water. Yeah, it's a lot of water. because it, it, for artists, it's about 26 miles from L. A. to Catalina, so if you get
10: yeah, right.
2: If you get caught in a what a, a rip tide or something, well, you could you could be drifting out there, I guess, right?
10: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, depending on the boat, you know.
2: And he was found by the, uh, by the, uh, you know, the, the police out there. They, they went and found him.
10: Well, he lucky.
2: He was well, sure was. You know,
10: uh, that one time I considered uh, taking my, my, my personal boat down there and, and actually making the trip from Long Beach to Catalina. Oh yeah. But I I, um, I looked into it a little and uh, it seems like uh, you're not welcome in that marina if you're not uh, if you're not a member of the organization that they
2: have the yacht club or whatever. So you should sure come to, him, to come down here to Newport Beach. You know that's the, that's the capital of all the small small boats. Oh yeah. In Newport Beach that down where I am. Cause that's well, where you know that's where John Wayne had his boat and and that's where a lot of the movie stars used to go to Catalina. I think from this neck of the wood. 'Cause because uh, Reagan and uh John Wayne and I think Bogart used to go to Carolina practically every weekend. Yeah, it's, kinda, it's kinda nice over
10: there. Mm-hmm. We didn't spend we spent uh, I think two days over there. It was it was really nice.
2: For the f- people who don't know the Wrigley family, wanted wanna buy the island and they still own the island, pretty much. They, them and their foundation, pretty much still own the island of Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, they had their, uh,
10: they had their own little airport up yeah. on top. <laughs> uh, I guess it was Wrigley's Air, Airfield. Yeah. And uh, we were up there by bus. And we saw a buffalo along the way, which is I had never seen before. It was really interesting.
4: Don't send me a buffalo. How about a buffalo wing? Uh, well, uh, a buffalo
2: chicken. Uh, buffalo chicken wing.
4: No, please don't send a buffalo.
2: No,
10: I, I'm not going to.
4: And I'm not going to ask that you name one after me.
10: <laughs> you know, Patrice, you've never had a chicken, have you?
4: I never had a chicken. Not
10: uh, yet. Well, you know, the first thing you have to do is rehydrate it. <laughs> uh, they, they get very dry when they fly that far. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna write out some instructions for you for the care and feeding of the chicken. What do
2: chickens? What do chickens? What do chickens eat that route pick out? Are they, a spe- are they on a special diet? Are the ones that I sent? Yep.
10: Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, they definitely
2: are. Lemon drops or something, right? They're, yeah, they're a hybrid. You
10: know, yeah. they're, they're not just an average chicken. They're, they're really specialized chickens.
4: Hybrids are nice. You're starting to sound like Nolan. Nolan chose, you you may have missed this because Nolan calls in late on Saturdays. He told his kids when they were little, when they were going past junkyards that were squashing cars, that the cars could be rehydrated. Next, you know, they they would, later on, they would water them and they'd all spring back together. Uh, (laughs) I believed him.
10: Yeah, you gotta have an imagination. Uh, sure? We had a neighbor over here that had a uh, an Air Force jet trainer in his yard. Oh. He, he he was like uh, the honorary mayor of town, and they had got this thing from the Air Force, and they were going to put it in the little park that we have.
0: Uh-huh.
10: But they didn't do it because they were afraid kids would get hurt on it, so it was sat in this guy's yard. You know, my grandson, my youngest grandson, was pretty young. I said, Come on with me, I swear, I gotta show you this. We had a plane crash in town last night. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> he was about eight years old. I, I took him over there, he was <laughs> airplane sitting in the guy's yard, he said, Oh, grandma
0: <laughs> <laughs>
10: And you know we have lumber trucks here all the time. Well, have
0: you ever told
2: have you ever told your grandchildren a story or something, and you and you leave them with your kids, and they have to straighten their their, their kids the 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 your grandsons out or granddaughters out? Hmm. I, I, no, I don't. No, think never so. done anything like that. Okay, I get. Well, you know, you know a, a
10: funny story. Uh, my my wife was watching our our grandson Well, she was putting him to bed one night. And she said, Nicholas, you lay here nice and quiet, and the sandman, sandman is going to come and put, you know the story about the sandman, right? You're going to put sand in your eyes, and you're going to go to sleep. Well, the kid got hysterical. He, no! <laughs> he ran downstairs with my money, there's a man coming, he's going to put sand in my eyes. It. Okay.
11: Oh, well
10: and he said,
4: oh, my God! <laughs> Oh, that poor
10: kid. The last thing she wanted to do was scare him.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
10: She scared the jabbers out of him.
4: Oh, my goodness. Oh, gee. Oh, that poor kid.
10: Yeah, you know, and when I grew up, it was, I don't know, I always knew about the Sandman, but this guy had never heard about it. He just had a fit.
4: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, the poor little guy.
10: Yeah, we, we felt terrible.
4: We're, we're going to have to put you, you, <laughs> you and Nolan together. You with the plane crash and Nolan used to tell his kids if they got when they were out on the road if they got up early enough they could see the cows putting to rolling up their bedrolls and he would point to the rolls of hay out in the Oh sea. yeah 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 and if they got there and the cows were in the field and the rolls were there that they hadn't gotten up early enough to see the cows put their, their um, what am I trying to say? Their sleeping bags. Their sleeping bags.
10: Uh-huh. Yeah, their sleeping equipment, right? Yeah. Well, I, I started to tell you about the logging trucks, and I don't know, I got off on something else. Uh-huh. But my grandson was in the car with me, and here comes this great big truck full of these huge logs heading for the mill.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: And he says... What's that? I said, oh, that's, all those trees are going up to the toothpick factory. <laughs> and I said, the guy only gets one truckload a year, and he makes toothpicks out of him. And by that time, he was around 12, and he started to take everything I told him with a little grain of salt. Uh-huh. I didn't get that one over on him. But no,
4: I, I, but he, he smartened up.
10: The plane, the plane crash, yeah, definitely. I got him on that one. I
4: guess so. <laughs> well, I can understand why that would happen. I mean, who would expect to see a plane in somebody's front yard?
10: Exactly, yeah. yeah I don't know. I guess at one time the government was uh, just giving them away to, to, uh, to towns and cities to put in their parks for, uh, for a display.
4: yeah. It's really a shame that we're so conscious of maybe somebody's going to get hurt, maybe somebody mm-hmm. will climb on it, maybe somebody will do something that they're not supposed to, and we're robbing everybody of these wonderful experiences.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking—I
10: to think of how it would be have been growing up if I had to uh, worry about all the things that they worry about today.
2: Uh huh. I, I mean, for example, after World War II, what did they do with all those airplanes? I think they stored a lot of them out in the desert. Oh yeah. And. I, I imagine we sunk quite a few of our own battleships right after World War II.
10: Yeah, you we know. did use a lot of uh, uh, a lot of our ships for target practice, and and when they had the big uh, atomic uh, tests at Bikini Atoll,
2: yeah,
10: they had a whole fleet of old navy ships sitting out there mm-hmm. and just to see what would happen mm-hmm. to them, and uh, pretty devastating. Not to measure what it did
2: to that little island. Oh, I bet it did, yeah.
10: Yeah. yeah. They say they still can't live there.
2: All the nuclear waste, right? Yeah,
10: the yeah. people The people wanted to go back a few years ago, and I don't know if they ever let them, but it's still a danger. Well. All cool stuff.
4: Okay, now, I've got your envelope with stuff in it.
10: Yeah, stuff.
4: Yeah, what, what other stuff can I put in there?
10: Yeah, I'm thinking on a a lot of stuff I used to see on television, like, uh, but that that wouldn't, I don't think that would apply. Like fractured fairy tales and uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle that were uh, not necessarily made for children, they were also made for adults.
4: Were made for adults and wrapped in children's packages i think <laughs> I absolutely
10: would... yeah there's a lot of double meanings going by
4: i love rocky and bullwinkle i don't have oh, any they look funny to them
10: what was uh, boris bobinoff and Morris
4: natasha Muff. fatali
10: fatali was her name
4: yes And that ah. tri- that'll be a trivia question down the line what natasha's last name was now Here's, here's a little chunk. Walden will give you this chunk. Um, June Foray, Walden mentions her name periodically. June Foray was the voice of Rocky the Squirrel. Oh, I see. She also did Natasha. Uh, some people were so talented. I know.
10: You, know you, you hear some of the old radio programs and they'll say that one guy played three or four parts. Uh, it just amazes me.
4: Mm-hmm. Paul Frees was that way. He could... Uh, he. I have four parts. Um, it, it was a four-part show that Paul Freeze did, and he played all of the characters in this, and it's kind of a, a semi-spooky show. Uh-huh. It was so well done, and then to find out at the end that he was the voice of all of the characters just blew me away.
10: Yeah, it's amazing. Some people can... I would. Uh, I can make all sorts of different voices, but I would get them mixed up in in trying to put them together. You know.
4: Yes, yes. yes. Having a conversation with yourself and having to remember to switch voices. Brian yeah, exactly. Hendry,
10: uh, the guy that plays the old time, uh, the old music uh-huh. on uh, on your station.
4: Right. Huh? Oh, um
10: there's uh, several things. He's got other people in the room with him, but
2: yeah. it's all him. Larson. Yeah, M- Milt Larson. I know, I know the, in the old radio days, what they would do is use different color pants. That way they, they knew they didn't mix themselves up when they were on the air. What voice would be what, for what color? Uh, so that uh, helped,
10: that oh, helped yeah, them well, out. I know that they, they did have colors in the, uh, in the script
4: mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That would help. Mm-hmm.
10: Thank goodness. Well, listen, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I think I'm running out of stuff to say.
2: Well, how's the weather, by the way? Is it pretty decent?
10: Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. God, it's so lovely. It's been in the, uh, in the uh, mid to upper 80s, which is about 10 or 12 degrees cooler than we normally have at this time of year.
4: Wow, and Texas got the heat that you... Oh, they got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting hammered awful stuff. Okay, um,
10: yeah, I don't know how many days in a row, 25, 30 days in a row, it's been over 100. 39,
4: 36 or 39, I can't recall which, and that's only because they had two days in there where it dipped into the 90s. Otherwise it would have been several months. It's oh. awful.
10: Yeah, that's terrible, and, a, and a, uh, a huge drought from what I understand. Very bad. We were in a drought up here for about three years, but it broke this year. Our, uh, yep. our lake, our uh, big lake, wasn't usable hardly at all last year.
8: Wow. And
10: very poor the year before, but this year it's full right up to the brim. Cool. Everything. And I like it like that.
4: Well, I'm going to pick something out of this gang of shows and send it to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be great. Oh, uh, Patricia, I, I can't, Wait, that, you can't uh, that I really
10: need.
4: Say that again, please.
10: I said I can't think of anything in particular that I really need.
2: We can always call this Patricia potluck. Yeah, uh, that would
10: be just fun. Yeah. I, I, would, uh, I would enjoy that.
4: Mm-hmm. Potluck it is. Mm-hmm. You will have Patricia's potluck. Mm-hmm.
10: Sounds like, sounds
2: like a winner. Yeah, a new category. So if you don't know what you want, have Patricia potluck it for you.
4: It's a PPL. <laughs> Patricia's potluck. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I will send a, a potluck. I'll just close my eyes and pick one.
10: Okay, that's great.
4: Okay, we'll talk
10: about it. And um, uh, I enjoy you guys so much. Uh, Patricia, thanks for being so patient. Oh, with uh, my, my chick- chicken.
4: <laughs> And well, it's yeah. thank you to the chicken for not giving up.
2: I'll tell, I'll tell you, Patricia's not planning to move until the chicken shows up.
10: This is true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is. yeah. This is true. Yeah. Alright,
2: listen, I'll, I'll say
4: goodnight to
2: you folks. Good night, Ralph. Great talking to you. Same, Same here. Bye. Oh. Alright, 714-545-2071. It is summertime here in the United States and hello there. You're on the air.
8: Oh, this is your roving reporter.
2: Chad, how are you doing?
8: Fine, you guys are pretty popular. It's hard to get a hold of you. My gosh, where are you tonight? Oh, well, I'm not going to say right off because it'll give away the surprise. Okay, okay. Okay. I'll know. What gonna know? Well, yesterday was uh, Lucille Ball's 100th birthday, correct? Uh Uh-huh. But do you know who would have been 100 uh, on Friday? this coming Friday
2: or yesterday?
8: This last Friday.
2: This last Friday. So that'd be August the 5th.
8: I'm expecting Walden to know this because he knows everything. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um...
8: hundred. If you don't know it, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, great.
2: Can I go look up my notes? I gotta go by my memory. Well...
8: I could uh, give you a couple hints.
2: Yeah, let's do that.
8: Let's play... Let's for, known, yes, let's play trivia. Yeah, let's play trivia. He was known for having the perfect profile. Does that help?
2: Oh, okay, how about John Barrymore? Nope. Okay. Uh,
8: let's see. Well, he was in radio, of course, yeah. otherwise I probably wouldn't be mentioning, in a, <laughs> mentioning it. Okay. you guys have anything to do with radio or anything. Yeah, so born in
2: 1911, okay.
8: Yes, um... He, once, for Jack Benny he substituted while he was on vacation in 1948. I'll bet Walden gets it now. I'm
2: thinking 48, huh? Robert you Taylor. Guess, how about, how about, how about somebody that was born in Nebraska, Robert Taylor? Yep,
4: you got All it. Alright! Thank you, Chad!
8: I'm
2: impressed. I'm impressed you had even knew, got that one down, Pat. I am. Oh, I'm impressed.
8: I mean, he, he was born like 15 miles from where I grew up.
2: Yeah, I know. He's one of the legendary figures from Nebraska. I, 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 a lot of people don't know. A lot of people were born from Nebraska. Fred Astaire was born from Nebraska. Uh, the the founder, Henry Fonda, the, and the, the, all the kids used to grow up in Nebraska. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Uh, Dick Cavett. So, those are the ones I can think of right off the bat who were from the st- uh, state the Nebraska who has some show business background, so.
8: And another one, Harold Lloyd. Harold
2: Lloyd, that's right. You can actually drop me an email, that's right. And, um... That's not bad for me. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Now, have you ever been to... Uh, you know, we were talking earlier, Chad, about... Uh, chicken Days in Wayne, Nebraska. you ever been to Chicken Days over in Wayne, Nebraska?
8: Uh, no, I haven't, actually. I, I hadn't heard of it before.
2: Chickenshow.com. You can take a peek at that.
8: Yeah, I typed that out okay. on the computer just recently.
2: Are there anything in your hometown that's somewhat similar, like a festival or anything that unique to your stomping ground?
8: Well, in Beatrice, they have the... A uh, few miles west of town, they have the Homestead National Monument of America, which is the site of the first, the very first homestead, I believe, or maybe it's the very first homestead in Nebraska. But uh, they have, uh, in early, early spring, they have a homestead days, and that's unique.
2: That's right. And, uh,
8: a few years ago, we had um, cast members from Little House on the Prairie, of course, have to have those, visit, yep. and talked about about making uh, doing the Little House on the Prairie show and stuff. So we, we get some, we have some pretty neat events around here.
2: Wow. Wow, that's pretty good.
8: Now, um, is it just me, or does it seem like Robert Taylor is not as well known as some of the other big movie stars of I, the same era?
2: I think you're probably, it, I think you're probably right. He's,
8: yeah, he's in movies for like... Forever. ...plus years, yeah.
2: Well, I, I think he is, he and Tyrone Power were known for their great looks, mm-hmm. and I don't think of too many stories, movies that people would still remember, so like what Clark Gable's known was Gone with the Wind,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and I, I can't think of any movies that people would still, uh, think of with Robert Taylor still being shown today, so maybe that's, uh, part of it reason to be my, be my guess.
8: Well, I could name a few. To see okay. If you know of them? Okay. okay. Uh, Westward the Women. Okay. Camille.
2: Yeah, that's a f- that's a fairly famous one, right? Okay, Camille. yeah.
8: Magnificent Obsession.
2: Yeah, that's pretty famous. Yeah.
8: Billy the Kid. Maybe not so much. Right,
2: not much. Uh,
8: e Day, the sixth of June.
2: Mm-hmm. Quavadas. she's pretty big, yeah. Ivanhoe. Mm-hmm.
8: Match of the Round Table. Right. And Quentin Durwood I think, is another one. And The Last Hunt. Okay. Those are some of the latest. I, I think maybe Cam- a few more.
2: I think Camille probably the most famous one. I think Greta Garbo was in that. Yes. So I think that, and most people think of that being her movie. So, so that'd be my guess.
4: Well, then, is he one of the actors in the entertainment industry in general? who was consistently good but had nothing spectacular that would shove him out in front of the world.
2: Well, I think he was really, everybody in the the 40s knew because he was was such a good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy. Good-looking guy, and and also um, his wife was a terrific actress, and, uh, and that was Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. And.
4: But I'm, I'm thinking that he might not be as readily known because he didn't do something or, or, or didn't have a credit that was on the scale of a Gone with the Wind. Correct. Also, also
2: I sort of wonder because he died, I think, in 1965 of
4: lung
2: cancer. Uh huh. Um, you know, him not. Let's face it, he wasn't 65 born. We're talking 46 years ago here. He was only in his 50s. Yeah, he died in
8: 1969 at the age of 58.
2: Yeah, so if you think about it, a long period of lifespan. Yeah. So He, 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 had, his,
8: he had his own TV show also mm. in the early 50s or late 50s. Right. Detective show, I believe it was. Wow. And I I got the impression that he was well known in his time in the 30s and the. More in the 40s and the 50s I, I, when he did those costume dramas, I guess you call them. Yeah, I think you're right. It seems like he's not as well known. He's not as well known as some of the stars of the same era of the same caliber nowadays.
2: For I think some. you're right. He used to be and, the host on the Good News Radio Show. Uh,
8: yes,
2: I used to have some of those like that you hear him on now.
8: Yes, I heard a few of those, and I've heard a few of his Lux Radio Theater appearances. I think he did like seven of them. Right. I was looking up.
2: And then he was. If you, you notice, he did help he was on Benny's show. He he and Barbara were really good friends with uh one of Jack and uh, Mary Livingston. Jack being best friends, so they used to go over to the house quite a bit.
8: And do you know what musical instrument he played? I do not. He played it on the Jack Benny's show.
2: Was it the uh, clar- it. the uh, clarinet?
8: Well, you got the first letter right, but it wasn't the clarinet. The cello? Yes. Wow. Wow.
2: Now, I'm trying to remember, what's his real name? I know it's not Robert Taylor.
8: Okay, uh, it's Spangler Arlington
4: Bruce. That's right. I guess that's not and- Robert Taylor.
8: <laughs> wow. Phil, Harris, Phil Harris was making a big joke about it on the uh, Jack Benny show. And he, pl- he played the cello during the uh, singing commercials just unique. So it and I, I found that show on one of the discs you gave me Patricia. So you should you might be able to find it. It's from May of 1948. Okay. I'm going to look it up and listen to it. It sounds like a winner. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. But anyway, the reason I called uh because well, well, since he was born in a local town and was raised in a local town, and since Friday was his 100th birthday, uh, we had a big, huge celebration in Beatrice, where oh. he grew up um, until he was like 18, 17 or 18. And a few authors came. They, re- they wrote some books that came out about him, just like in the past couple of years. And they spoke about him. And also, I got to meet his children.
2: No kidding! Very nice. Well, now, are there any in Beatrice? Do they have the hometown? Uh, the hometown, like a uh, landmark, a city landmark, or anything?
7: Uh,
8: the brew house is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the Soroptimist Society had it open yesterday, today, or Saturday, and I believe somebody—it's still used as a resident, residential home, and somebody lives in it. But I think it's a—I think it's a well-known landmark, so to speak, for the community. Um, maybe not so much for the worldwide or the nation, but it's known.
2: You have a, um, a you have a motion picture a theater in Beatrice? I mean, I'm surprised they don't do, show some movies of uh, Robert Taylor this weekend.
8: Well, actually, actually they did. Um, this whole week, they've been having a few events, but most of them were on Friday and Saturday. Okay. Um, the local movie theater did actually show... Earlier this evening, D-Day, the sixth of June,
0: mm.
8: and that was the only one they were showing in the theaters. Now they did show a few at uh, the local community players, um, but yeah, they've they've been screening several movies. And
2: so, what? How many kids did he? How, how many kids were there this weekend? And was there, uh? Did he have a daughter or son? Who, who who was there from the family?
8: Well, um, he. Uh, With his second wife, he had two children, and um, she also had, previously had two children with her previous marriage. Uh, One of them died just, like, two weeks before Robert Taylor did, Mm. and so, uh, but only two of them were there, his children. Terry and Tessa were there. They were born in, I think, 1955 and
0: 1959, something like that,
8: Mm. and they're... They're really tall and skinny, just like he was. <laughs> Actually, a little taller than he was. Uh-huh. And they said he was only 5'11", although in the movies he looks taller. And his son is like 6'4". Six, six, mm. so he's really tall. Wow. He had, um, what was that? Did you get to talk with them? Uh, yes. Uh, I asked a few questions. Um, I asked, if they'd seen pretty much most of the movies and heard his radio appearances and they'd heard quite a few of them. hmm
2: And, um... Um... Well, I'm glad the city decided to do something. They should probably... You know, um... It was interesting, Clark Gable... Uh... When it got to be close to Clark Gable's 100th birthday, they, um... Well, actually, one of some dick jockey called his hometown uh, in Ohio and said, You know what birthday this was? And, and they didn't know, and it was Clark Gable. And then the founding fathers of the town, they really decided they needed to do something. So they made the, 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 the a, a town a, you know, a city monument, and they started to have film festivals, and it sort of was a way for the town to generate some income. And so, who knows? Maybe Beatrice to do something like that.
8: Yep. Uh, they've been planning it for at least a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, when you're out here in a, town, a state like Nebraska, you kind of uh, stereotype of being a hit, hit country. You kinda, you're kind of kind of proud of the people who make it big, and in the case of Robert Taylor, he, he still had his Nebraska values. Even in Hollywood, he was a private person, and he didn't get into lots of scandals and he was very down to earth and people said he he didn't say any bad bad things about anybody. He was very tactful, kind and generous and very soft spoken. So and his children are just like that.
4: Did his children have any memories of their father's work and the studios and